Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another edition of Out of Bounds. As always, I'm your host, Spencer Brown. Joining me, we have Dalton Bishop. What's up, man? How's it going? Doing great today. We also have Christian Ernst. What's going on, y'all? Oh, uh, very exciting uh, week. Exciting day, really. Because So the running joke, and I'll just start there because it's the biggest news story of the day, is that whenever, whenever, we, whenever we record... The next day is when breaking news happens. It's usually some big trade or an injury. Case in point, we'll get to it. But there was an NFL injury that happened last Thursday after we published. And, you know, I mentioned I listened to Bill Simmons. And Bill Simmons put a podcast out that I haven't listened to yet. But it's about Damian Lillard, hypothetical trades. He dropped it this morning. And then today, Damian Lillard has been traded officially uh, according to Adrian Wojnarowski over ESPN. And it's to Milwaukee. If you've been following Damian Lillard in the saga all offseason, we talked about it when it first happened, uh, when he requested the trade. It was before we took our hiatus briefly. The talk was, and Lillard has said it himself, I want to go to Miami. Miami's the team I want to go to, and et cetera, et cetera. And it's Milwaukee Scoops in, and again, I'm not sure like how close they were to trading him to Miami or not. Like we're never probably know those details. But Milwaukee scoops in. They offered, you know, and they get Phoenix involved. It it felt like it was going to be a three team trade, uh, just the way salaries are and everything. But Milwaukee gets Damian Lillard, pairing him up with Giannis Antetokounmpo, and you know, shifting off Drew Holiday is gone. He's going to be going to Portland. Although Portland's working on potentially rerouting him or, you know, waving him and letting him choose his next destination. But Holiday, there's a low percent, like maybe a 1% chance, if that, even that might be high, that he plays for the Trailblazers. So, again, that's going to be the news that breaks like the next day or two is, oh, Drew Holiday, he's being flipped to insert team X here. Like, that's what's going to happen there. Uh, DeAndre Aiden, who always seemed kind of like the disgruntled piece for uh, the Phoenix Suns, and we talked about with Bill, was that you can't keep this core four together of you know Booker, Aiton, uh, Bill, and Duran. Like that's just way too much money control to four people here. Like someone's got to go, and it always felt like Aiton because the previous ownership did not want to pay DeAndre Aiton, and Matt Ishbia he's got no problem spending money, but he's like, yeah, we'll ship you off there. Tumani Kamara, Kamara, who I'm not very familiar with his game, I think he's like maybe a low pick he was shipped out to portland 2029 first round pick of the bucks is also going to portland and a pick swap which i've um 2028 and 2030 pick swaps unprotected going there um and then phoenix you land yusuf nurkic who's he's a fine you know big man nasir little who's I mean, pretty young got a high upside keon johnson not very much i can tell about him and then grayson allen who everyone remembers from his college days at Duke where he's tripping people left and right there. Um, so there, that's the trade. So, yeah, in short, Damian Lillard, Milwaukee, um, that's the big piece of the trade there. And, I mean, if you follow, like, the odds, and, again, it's still early. Season, season has not begun yet. But Milwaukee's not the new title favorite. And they should, I think, at the moment because of the Lillard and Giannis pairing. Like, those are two of the best co- players there you can have. And, again, they got a new coach there. In Milwaukee, so it's fascinating to see what potentially happens with the Bucks, with Giannis, with Lillard, 
with new head coach Adrian Griffin, who came, like I said, we said earlier in the summer, he came from Toronto. So he's going to have a very good team right away. And again, a Bucks team that won the title just two years ago with Giannis. And they're not, again, they're not far off. They're the one seed last year. I mean, they got upset in the first round by Christian's beloved Heat because, you know, Giannis missed some games. And also, Jimmy Butler went nuclear in the playoffs. Like, I, I don't know what else to say, but it's a great trade for Milwaukee. Dame gets to go to contender. Uh, he's made some comments on social media about in the past with, you know, like Giannis, he would like to play for him. Also, he has a, a tweet from a few years ago where he said he would never go. He said when asked, like, somebody going to Milwaukee, if Boonehoser ever got fired, he said no. Like, nah, I'm not doing that. Well, he is now. And, again, he made all this talk about it's Miami or nowhere. Like, I'm not going to go play for anyone else but Miami. Um, Yeah, you don't really have to say in here. You, you're going to Milwaukee, and I'm sure they okayed it with them. Like, hey, you get to play with Giannis. Like, you can't really turn that down there. Uh, but, yeah, that was the biggest news of the day. We've been waiting all offseason to see where Damian Lillard lands, and it is Milwaukee. Uh, Christian, I'll go to you first here. Uh, your thoughts, reaction when you saw the news earlier today that Damian Lillard was traded from the uh, Portland Trailblazers to the Milwaukee Bucks. I, well, I sent, I sent when Spencer sent the uh, message, the tweet to our group chat, um, I sent another little gif of um, something that's not, I, I wouldn't say friendly. Uh, you know, user friendly. Um, I was upset. I was really upset. Miami didn't go after anybody. We didn't go after anybody. The biggest free agent that we got is 2023 NBA champion Thomas Bryant. Like, legit. Josh Richardson, we also got, who's a very good player. We kept Kevin Love. We let Max Struss and Gabe Vincent go to uh, Cleveland and Lakers, respectively. And I, I I was just, we were just waiting. We were just waiting for Dame to get traded. We were going after Bradley Beal when it was down to us and the Suns. Suns got the deal. We're like, okay, we're going to get Dame. We don't get Dame. So we got cap for next year, for sure. We got so much cap and... It's it just we lost we lost two really good shooters, and we got a little bit bigger. That I'm I'm upset for my Miami Heat side of things. For Dame in Milwaukee, this is Dame's best chance to win a championship, and obviously they're going to be heavy favorites. Um, this is not I don't think a Brooklyn situation where yes it's one ball yes you know. There's all these arguments of, you know, can they really work as a team? Damian has been a very, you know, yes, he's been ball heavy, but he's not like, this is my ball. I'm He wants to do whatever's best for Portland, right? And that's what he did. He shared the ball with CJ. He would do whatever he can with his teammates. Nowadays in Milwaukee, it's going to be very interesting, that dynamic with Giannis and, like, who's going to take the shot. I think they're both going to try and merge and, you know, make this union work. Um, these are not giant egos like the Brooklyn stuff with Kyrie, Kevin Durant, James Harden. Um, I think this is better than the Clippers 
because you have just two bigs and Kawhi and Paul George where you got a tremendous point guard. You got an amazing uh, big man in Giannis. So they're, I feel like they're going to, um, what, what's the, what's the word I'm saying? Like they're going to kind of, you know, benefit from each other's game. Um, obviously Milwaukee's going to be the favorite and Dalton, you actually raised the question. Um, I did not respond to this question because a, I thought in the moment, why would you say that? You know what I'm exactly what I'm going to say. Uh, but I'll, I'll read it word for word. Christian, will the heat still beat the bucks in the playoffs? If we get to it, no. If we get to it, no. Um, Heat last year barely got any better. We pretty much stayed the same, and we actually got worse. Uh, We barely got into the playoffs as it is, uh, almost losing to the Bulls in the uh, the eight-seed game, the final game of the play-in. And, yes, we caught Heat. Jimmy, you know, Jimmy playoff buckets uh, was great, but – do you really count that when everyone gets older? Tyre Hero's coming back, which is good. Um, so maybe early we can do something really good. But we lost a really good um, second wave with Struss and Gabe leading the charge. Um, still got Duncan, which, you know, we don't know if Duncan's going to be dunking his donuts uh, in the hoop. But, you know, I, I don't think Miami is going to benefit from this at all. Uh, and now. I think our season just kind of got shipped away, honestly. Um, but for Milwaukee, it's great for Portland. They can finally start the rebuild and actually try to, you know, put the right pieces together to make Portland competitive out West with DeAndre Ayton. Uh, now you don't have to waste, you know, have in mind wasting a career like Damian Lillard. So for Portland, it's good. For Dame, it's awesome. It's amazing that he's out of there and with this new team in Milwaukee. So, yeah, it's a lot of story, a lot of stories uh, for the NBA season coming up next month. All right. Dawn, your reaction when you saw the news earlier today about the Damian Lillard trade? My my first reaction when I saw it, um, was kinda, I was kind of just shocked. Um, pretty much in the same boat. Well, Christian was mad and pissed off, but – I was, I was, I was shocked. Really, I was thinking, you know, um, kind of just like with you guys, like Miami's. I mean, got to be the spot. Um, I mean, I, I know I've I said a few comments in there in our group chat. Like, there's only one ball, and I asked Christian that question, which he mentioned earlier, but. You know, I mean, there is only one ball. That's a valid question. Giannis, I'd like to think he's a ball-dominant guy. Dame, when he was in Portland, had no had no problem taking the last shot. Uh, whether it was regular season or playoffs, he was, he's, he's deadly. Um, and so I'm kind of intrigued to see what they do. Um, and I, and also like from, like from a buck standpoint, like I'm expecting a lot more pick and rolls, you know, like you got Giannis and then, uh, Brooke Lopez is still there as well. So, I mean, those two guys, those two guys, uh, great pick and roll pieces, uh, for Dame, 
uh, and they could be even more lethal now in, in you know, the half-court set. So, um, for the Bucks, great acquisition. Uh, I just I just hope that they figure out, um, which, you know, they probably will, but, like, figure out, like, the mesh and, like, you know, um, who's getting the ball and, you know, how, you know, the offense is going to be run, who, who, you know, is going to, is going to have it run through and, um, you know, and also like the Eastern conference, I think, you know, the C's, the Celtics, they're going to be good again this year. I presume Spence and, um, maybe, you know, a couple other teams that I'm blanking on at the, at this very moment, but, you know, the Bucks uh, seems like they, you know, they seem like on paper, um, some, you know, at least, at least, you know, in the top, in the top seed, uh, or at least contending for it if they, if they weren't already before the Dame trade. Um, and, you know, as for the other two teams that, um, you know, getting the, getting the acquisitions, um, I mean, Portland, that's, you know, rebuild, fine. Um, I'm not sure if Aiton wants to stay in the rebuild. Um, I, can, I I would venture to say they probably won't make the playoffs this year. Um, and then Phoenix, I don't even know what the I don't even, I'm not sure what the heck Phoenix is doing. So they get rid of Aiton, and then that's so now they have their their guys, KD and. Um, you know, Booker. Booker, they're still there. Um, but now, like, I mean, I'd have to take a look at the roster again, but, you know, how's that shaping out for them? They already, you know, I felt like they could have used, you know, maybe maybe they were like, hey, we could literally beef up the, the bench and get some more depth. Uh, and, you know, it seemed like with that trade, they got a lot of players not big name players, you know, guys that can fill the roster spots. Um, so, I if if you had to, if you had to put a winner on this trade or winners plural, um, I feel like everybody got what they wanted in the end, uh, which is why the trade was so successful. Um, I guess with a new team, and I kind of feel bad for Christian's Miami Heat, too, because, you know, like you said, Christian, they didn't really sign anybody in the offseason because they were, like, hoping, like, hey, Dame, we have this spot open for you because we want you. And then Portland's like, no, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 that stinks but um we'll have to we'll have to see how the how the seating shapes out and you know how these teams perform this year um specifically the teams involved in this trade miami and phoenix and and portland so um but you know first reactions i was shocked um but also you know kind of like hey this could this could have massive ramifications in terms of how the how the standings and how the league turns out this upcoming year and you know for the and you know and more years 
uh, past past this upcoming for sure. Yeah, so that's the big news of the day, and maybe this makes it one step closer to a James Harden trade coming to fruition down the line. Uh, that remains to be seen, but yeah, Damian Lillard will be playing for the Milwaukee Bucks this upcoming season. It's going to be a very fun season, just a few weeks away from basketball being back. Um, but on to baseball, a few, like, literally, I think a week away now from baseball's postseason starting. Um, again, last night, the um, Milwaukee Brewers clinched the NL Central. A few days ago, the AL Central, that was clinched by the uh, the Minnesota Twins there. Um, and then a wild card spot was clinched by Philadelphia. They clinched on a walk-off against Pittsburgh last night. Lots of uh, things coming down to the final day including a very exciting um, AL West. But let's first focus on the Twins and the Brewers, uh, both clinching division championships. They'll be locked into the playoffs this year. And um, by my calculation, neither team will be getting the bye because um, the you know, in the National League, the Braves have 101 wins. The Dodgers, 97. They're all but guaranteed uh, the two buys. Yeah, I think they locked up the buys. And then out in the American League, the East, Baltimore, 98 wins. Um, barring something, some miracle, like the three AL or AL West teams that are fighting for that one spot, probably get a buy. But nonetheless, you get to host a best of three first-round series if you're the Twins and the Brewers. Um, so that's something that you can uh, hang your hat on to those. So you think you won the division. That's a, not a, uh, a college to be just, you know, scowling and, like, just scoffing at there. Uh, but, Dalton, your thoughts, Twins and Brewers clinching the Central Divisions in the American and National League this year? Uh, yeah. Um, well, for the past three years, um, two out of three have been the Brewers winning this division. So, it's, you know, they've – it's been no – it's been no shocker, really. Um, you know, you had some ups and downs throughout the season that's that's bound to happen you know teams go on hot streaks and that sort of stuff um so yeah i mean there was a hot minute there um back in the summer where you know we we got that we got that hot streak from the reds and you thought they might take it but um the brewers ended up coming through and taking that division um and on the twins um great effort by the twins i i don't really think that division is that tough to begin with so um the fact that they were able to just take care of business is a testament to their team and who they have um from top to bottom so you know good for them and um yeah spence you said it uh in terms of the playoff format how that's going to go for those two teams this upcoming this upcoming postseason and uh best of luck to them all right christian your thoughts on the uh the twins and the brewers clinching playoff spots in uh, this postseason uh for milwaukee you know not really a shock i know i had uh the cardinals winning it but milwaukee was obviously going to be uh, a very tough out in the nl central um you know we haven't talked about them but hope hopefully the reds can Trying to get that playoff spot. I think they're a game and a half behind right now in the wild card. Just hope, you know, at this point, you know, when this comes out, you know, next week in the playoffs start, we'll obviously know. But at the same time, I'm hoping the Reds can do something. Uh, they play Cleveland and they're down right now. But 
hopefully we can get that wild card spot. Anyway, uh, for the Twins, I mean, congratulations. You won the best division. You won you won first place in the worst division in baseball. Um, I mean, this division was awful. And I'm pretty sure uh, this stat came out of, you know, this was a, when the All-Star break happened. But at one point in the year, none of these teams in the uh, AL Central had um, a winning record. They were all like 500 or below. So, you know, good for Minnesota. You know, they're going to the playoffs. Woohoo. Somebody has to. But, you know, I, I don't think Minnesota is going to be a real threat. Uh, I could be wrong. And we could see like a 22 Nationals kind of thing. Uh, no, not 22. 21 Nationals. Uh, we can see one of those. But I, I doubt Minnesota does anything. But Milwaukee... Obviously, they're going to be uh, one of the favorites in the NL with uh, the Dodgers and Atlanta. So, yeah, congratulations to both teams. I mean, I do have to mention this while we're on the topic. Minnesota, the Twins, they have not won a playoff game since 2004. Oh, God. They have been to the playoffs several times, and not, they have not got a playoff win since 2004. It's 18 straight games that they have lost in the postseason. Hopefully – if you're a Minnesota Twins fan, it ends this year. Um, yeah, first playoff appearance is 2020 for them, I believe. It's, it's just it's one of the worst stats to see is that, again, they've been to the playoffs several times. They just get swept every time. Or so go one-game wildcard series, I think, uh, mm-hmm. in one of those. In 2017, yeah, they lost a wildcard game to the Yanks. Um, but nonetheless, baseball, the postseason starts October 3rd. So that's next Tuesday. Um so we'll do our predictions off air and we'll mention it on the this show uh next week. So we'll probably stick to you know record on Wednesday. But nonetheless, uh this time next week, baseball postseason will be here. Um so it's unfortunate we won't be able to, you know, kind of react to the thrilling AL West where everybody is, you know, a game, game and a half out. And again, there's still like three or four games left for these teams. So that something's gotta give. Uh and it looks like one of those teams in the AL West. We'll be on the outside looking in, despite being, you know, so close to the division lead. Like, Texas Rangers is about to clinch the division. Like, there are a couple games that up. Um, but it looks like Toronto will take a walk. So, either the Astros or Mariners, it looks like Mike gets screwed. The Astros was my American League pick this year. Um, but nonetheless, baseball, always an exciting postseason. Uh, but everyone's favorite sport, the sport everyone's probably listening to here, is the NFL. And like I alluded to earlier, we record on Wednesday nights usually. So we get us out before Thursday night football, et cetera. Uh, and last Thursday in practice, Trayvon Diggs tears his ACL. Uh, very unfortunate injury. One of the top young corners in the league was off his rookie, or Diggs rookie of the year, excuse me, a handful of years ago. And again, it sucks, for, you know, Dallas team that had the best defense. And again, we may reference what happened to Dallas on Sunday when we do our recap. Uh, but Dallas definitely was missing him on Sunday. Um, but, yeah, he led the NFL in interceptions a handful of years ago. And, again, there's always that catch-22 with Diggs where it's, you know, he'll get the interceptions, but also it's really a boomer bust. Like, he, he'll also give up the big play. If he doesn't get the interception, uh, he gets burnt real easily. At least he did when he was younger. Um, but still, top-level corner. Anybody would want him. Um and he, he signed a five-year contract extension earlier this summer. So at least he got that contract extension, you know, locked in before 
the season. And because again, there's no guarantee he gets it after the torn ACL. I'm sure Dallas would have done right by him because he is an elite corner who, like I mentioned, had 11, 11 interceptions a handful of years ago, including two touchdowns out of that. Um, so huge loss there. Also, Mike Williams of the Chargers. He is also out for the season with a torn ACL. Huge blow for the uh, Chargers team that, you know, was looking to get right. And, again, they still got Keenan Allen, but he, Keenan's get up there in age. And it, it sucks for Mike Williams. <laughs> Mike always seems like he has injury issues. Uh, despite, actually, if I'm looking it up right now, he actually has played like 16, 15 games uh, every year. So I don't know why I had this notion he was an injury riddle guy. I think it was his college days. He got injured in Clemson one year on the first game of the year, missed the entire season with uh, a injury there. But I just had this notion he was an injury-prone guy, which stats don't really indicate. Like, he gets injured and misses some time, but not to where, you know, torn ACL, it sucks for uh, – you know, Mike Williams, that he's going to miss the, the Chargers season uh, for. So that's two big injuries there. Uh, Dalton, I'll go to you first. Your uh, thoughts, reaction with the uh, the news of Diggs and Williams being out for the season. Both are crucial blows. Um, yeah, they, they're just both crucial. Um, I, feel like, I feel like Williams was, you know, um, that number two on the other side with Keenan Allen that could, you know, take some pressure off. Um, uh, and with Diggs, uh, again, same thing. The Cowboys have Stephon Gilmore, but um, Gilmore's not in New England anymore, and uh, he's much older now, and. I'm not going to say that he can't do it all by himself, but it would be nice to see him have another corner who's just as good uh, as he is on the other side of the field. Uh, And it seemed like that was Diggs. So, I mean, it's to lose him this early in the season kind of sucks. And... Uh, I guess you just got to figure it out now, you know, kind of that next man up mentality. Um, you hate to see it, but also you kind of got to move on and get ready for the next opponent um, and see if there's anybody who can step up in their place. Uh, so, I mean, should the Cowboys defense be the same after the Diggs injury? I'm gonna, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say they're not going to be the same. Um, just because you're, you know, in like the first two games, you know, Diggs was shutting people down. And, um, if I'm not mistaken, he had a forced fumble or two, uh, in between the first two games combined. So, you know, that's, you know, another possession for Dallas. Um, you know, I forget to mention those fumbles were recovered by the Dallas defense. So, you know, that's another that's another possession for the Dallas offense. Uh, and so, I, I mean, it's, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, how this ends up playing out for both these teams, what they end up doing, whether it's the Chargers offensively, um, what Kellen Moore decides to do when, since Mike Williams isn't going to be on the field and, you know, uh, what 
Dan Quinn and, you know, the Cowboys defense decides to do without Trayvon Diggs. Um, you All said right. Spence, so, yeah, you, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, Spence, you said we might mention them later in the show. I don't know if anybody will, but uh, we've kind of had a glimpse into it so far, but um, I don't want to overreact too much after just one week without Trayvon Diggs, but if it's if it starts to continue and, you know, becomes a reoccurring theme, then we could have some problems. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Christian, your thoughts, reaction uh, to the news of Diggs and Williams both being lost for the year with torn ACLs? Uh, well, Diggs, I think it's probably more damaging to Dallas than Mike with the Chargers. Um I mean, with Dallas, I mean, they have Stephon Gilmore, but Stephon Gilmore, this is way past uh, the defensive player of the year. Stephon Gilmore, he's a lot older. Uh, he's had a couple of PIs already this year, especially I think he had two or three when they played the Jets uh, just two weeks ago. So, obviously, he's older. He's still one of the better corners in the NFL, but he's not the same as he was when he was younger. Also, replacing Trayvon Diggs is, you know, it's better to say than it is to actually put on the field because they don't have a lot of, you know, good depth over there at corner. They have Jordan Lewis, who's always been a nice slot guy, but can he be really number two? Can he really match up with, you know, number two wide, you know, number two wide receiver? And when they play Philly later on in this year, I mean, he's pretty much going to go against Devontae Smith. Can Jordan you trust Jordan Lewis or Devontae Smith to get open? Uh, Washington, you know, scary Terry. I think he's absolutely going to just burn the tracks off of uh, Stephon Gilmore. And really, whoever's on Jordan, you know, they're going to have a really good matchup over there. Uh, probably Jaheen Dotson from uh, Penn State a couple of years ago. In uh, the New York Giants, I mean, they're already a, kind of a bust of a team anyway. Um, so it doesn't really matter for them. But – you know, you know, Diggs is at a tremendous corner, and we're probably going to mention this again, like Dalton alluded to, but they weren't, you know, they got exposed. You know, that defense who has to have a life now without Diggs, they're not there yet. Um, so we're going to really see how this defense transforms if they can or de- or digresses, you know, because of Diggs' injury. For Mike, I mean – they weren't really sold on him as the number two guy. Uh, they drafted Quentin Johnson at a TCU this past season, or this past draft, excuse me. And he's a very good wide receiver. Now, he's only had uh, eight targets to him, five catches for 20-some yards. But Quentin now, you know, with three weeks, he's been in the NFL. He's trying to slow the game down. Now he's got to be that number two beside Keenan. So him and Justin are going to get a lot more reps uh, we already seen Jordan Addison really flourish with Kirk Cousins, even though that team is 0-3. Um, but, you know, some of these rookies, they're really coming up, and Quentin has it just yet. Uh, but Quentin absolutely could benefit from this. And for Mike, it absolutely stinks, um, you know, because a lot of people don't know if he is that, you know, number two guy, uh, if he can hold that for very long. So, you know, L.A. might have to move on, depending how Clinton does. So, sticky situation for both. Both huge losses for each team. 
But I think, in my opinion, Diggs is a bigger loss than Mike to the Chargers. Yeah, that's a good point there uh, for sure, Christian. Next up, our week three recap. Hard to believe we're three weeks in the NFL season. Starting with our favorite team, how they perform. And we're going to go chronologically. And I'm going to try to go more than – I really want to go more than five. I'll, I'll limit myself to ten minutes here with this game. So, you guys, if I go more than ten minutes, please cut me off because this game does not deserve, you know, ten minutes worth of discussion with the Patriots and the New York Jets uh, in what might have been the worst game of football ever played when, at the same time, division rival Miami is doing something we've never seen before uh, in our lifetime. But nonetheless, again, Zach Wilson, you knew Zach Wilson would be terrible. Um, Mac Jones looked really bad, despite the stat line maybe showing, you know, 21 yards, a touchdown. Uh, really just an awful game all around. You had a uh, touchdown to Pharaoh Brown in the second quarter, and like, hand up. Like, I, I try to know the Patriots roster, uh, you know, just for myself to say, okay, yeah, I know who this guy is. I can, you know, see him making a big play. I had forgotten Farrell Brown's on the roster. Like, I think I remember him being on the practice squad earlier. Forgot he got called up. Like, got hand up. Like, I just did not remember him being on the roster. And I was like, Farrell Brown's the one who's going to score a touchdown today? And the only touchdown? Like, okay, fair enough there. Uh, we're up 10 nothing. It kind of feels insurmountable a bit. Uh, the third quarter, you know, we're up 13-3. Like, Ryland's got two field goals, missed two others because of, like, field position and whatnot. Um, but, again, it's a 13-3 game, and you're feeling like, okay, this is kind of insurmountable because the other guy is Zach Wilson. And I don't know, like, how the hell, like, every time I look down, it's like, oh, this, they hit the ball back again. Like, what was going on there? Like, even a, a touchdown at one point with the Jets, and it was a controversial uh, P.I. Randall Cobb drew where uh, – May have done a little bit of a uh, a sell job now that the writer's strike is over and he's looking for a job for some acting because it looked like that's what Randall Cobb did on the play. Nonetheless, that was the call they made. Whatever. Fresh shutdowns, first and go. Nick Baldwin, he's going to run it in. It's 13 to 10 at that point. And New England, like, okay, yeah, burn some clock here. Uh, You know, just, you know, five minutes. They're going to necessarily go on a five-minute drive, but you can burn a little bit of time here. No, you burn a couple minutes so they get a first down and it's like, what are we doing here? Like, why are we passing a lot of times there uh, with Mac Jones? It's thir- They get the ball back. It's 13-10. Luckily, they're, like, really backed up. They're at the 10-yard line. Um, and Zach Wilson left on one play uh, was a penalty to move him. At- it's third and 15 from the five. And Zach Wilson is second in the end zone by Matthew Judon for a safety. Uh, so it's 15-10, one of the weirdest scores. And it's like, okay, there's 219 to go. Literally just run the ball. Like, the two-minute warning. I don't know how many Jets timeouts they had. Um, they might have all three. But it's like, okay, let's make them burn their timeouts. Let's kill this clock down as much as we can. You only wasted 36 seconds there. Like, you wasted 36 seconds when you have the ball. And, again, the two-minute warning hits. Like, you have to punt it. I get it. Uh, but why is it, you know, on third and three, Mac Jones is only going to play pass Juju smith Like, why not run the ball there? Make them burn a timeout. Like, that was dumb. Uh, the Jets, being the Jets, they go turnover on down. You know, Zach Wilson has four straight passes, all incomplete, except, no, fourth down was a completion, but it was a check down on fourth and 10 at the 45. Zach Wilson decides to be dumb and throws a check down pass to Conklin. Uh, New England's the ball back. It's like, okay, burn the clock down here, please. And it's a punt. They can do three and out. 
Like, okay, like, why are we doing this here? Like, I get one play is, uh, you know, third and four, they burn the timeout when the clock is down to 22 seconds. So you're putting it away with, you know, 15 seconds left in the game. They get the ball there. You're like, okay, not much can go on. First down, you know, Zach Wilson decides, hey, I can actually complete a pass for once and finds Garrett Wilson. So now you're 54 yards out and you have one second left. Zach Wilson throws it to the end zone. And Randall Cobb almost comes down with it. And again, it looks a little, one angle is like a little bit out of reach, but unless the ball, like it reached the end zone. Like we were very close to losing this game here to Zach freaking Wilson and the New York Jets. And again, if they lose the game, they're 0-3. And the season, you can basically kiss the season goodbye at that point there. Um, but it, overall, an awful game to watch. Like I feel bad for people that had to watch this game. Like I watched a little bit of it. Uh, but my gosh, like, there was one drive the Jets had, which ended up getting a field goal, where literally Wilson threw the ball one time. It was a 10-play drive. One play was a pass by Zach Wilson, uh, which was to Garrett Wilson for four yards. The next, And then they got a field goal at the end of that drive. Like, they, that's how much they do not trust Zach Wilson, besides whatever solid. Like, he barely loves Wilson. Um, but, yeah, New England escapes with a win. 15 straight times we beat the New York Jets, and that's all. Like, just give me a win. Like, last year, they played a 10-3 game. They did a walk-off punt return. Um, but, again, this game set football back, like, 20 years. Like, as passing happy as everyone is. Uh, and this is the uh, the game you got was Patriots 15, Jets 10. I am done. Hopefully, that didn't bore anyone. Um, you got to hear me talk about how awful these teams were. Christian, tell me how a real football game was played on Saturday, even though the score may indicate that much. But that was a much better game than what I had to witness. Uh, honestly, I mean, kind of because of what happened in the end result, but not at all uh, what I wanted for sure. So we, of course, played the New Orleans Saints. And coming into this game, I heard heard a little birdie talk about how uh, we have major injuries coming up with us uh, for the Green Bay Packers. Our number one corner, um, our number one tackle, our number one guard, are one of our best wide receivers and our best offensive player. So pretty much um, every, everything but the kitchen sink was thrown at us uh, to uh, for us to lose this game. And I even texted the guys. I'm like, we're going to lose this game. And I was very lucky to have uh, NFL Red Zone to watch my Green Bay Packers possibly lose this game against the New Orleans Saints. Give credit to New Orleans. Before I go into this game, Give credit to New Orleans. They are a 2-0 team who barely beat, uh, Ryan. I think it was Ryan Suckup, the kicker for Tennessee, because um, it was 16-15, to and all Tennessee scored was field goals. And then they had a pretty good game against a young Bryce Young, um, you know, the dumb douche, against the Panthers. So they had, you know, two easier games, but Green Bay being on crutches, I didn't think it was going to be too much of a struggle for New Orleans. But first drive, a good old three and out uh, for the Packers defense. And this is what I'm thinking. The Packers defense, it's it's got to be our backbone for the team. Because our offense without Aaron Jones is pretty much one-dimensional. And that's how this game really was. Uh, first drive that we had, we actually got to a first and 25 due to holding and a false start. So we really decided to kick us. Uh, kick ourselves in uh, the cojones and really struggle in this game. Um, we get to a, you know get to about their 45 yard line. 
We go for it on a fourth and short. Uh, it's a good trick play where we run it down. Running back throws it to Jordan Love and tries to throw it to uh, Adontavian Wicks, who is a rookie out of Virginia. And it didn't go so well. Jordan Love slipped, overthrew, and you know we gave New Orleans a really good short field. And so they started on their own 44, and then Kenny Clark did his best Quay Walker impression, which was to hit a guy for no reason after play, and we get back even, we get pushed back even further into our own territory. Uh, New Orleans with a very short field, Derek Carr being elite as he is, you know, as, you know, he can be. He found Jimmy Graham into the end zone. It's 7 nothing, and I'm like, oh, boy, this team, this team is not going to go good, isn't it? So, then, next drive on offense, you know, three and out again. We're not doing we're not doing what we should be doing on offense because Aaron Jones isn't there. Aaron Jones is a big guy who can really spread the field out and oh play action with Aaron instead of play action with AJ, it can actually be deceptive for the defense. But Jordan Love, his first half, I mean he just wasn't really that good. So we you know we go three and out, three and out on both sides. And at one point, you know, we at one point we have a three and out and we punt it away. And I'm like, okay, I'm like this is just not gonna this is not gonna be good, isn't it? So we have you know, we punt it away, and then they get a punt return touchdown. Rashid Shahid. Say that name five, ten times to really get that in memory. Rashid Shahid had a punt return touchdown, and he he's really seemed like he was running. And everybody was just kind of jogging. Like, that's how extremely fast he looked on TV. And he just blew by his own punt return team and the punt team. And, you know, they couldn't do anything. And I seriously put, this was the beginning of the end. Because our offense without Aaron Jones is just one-dimensional. And Jordan Love, this is his third, this is his fourth game overall he has started. His third game that he is the guy. We've shown he's had some very good ups, but can he really lead his team to victory? Last week in Atlanta, he did not. So I'm like, okay, Jordan Love is young. We're going to start one and two. This is a rebuild time for him. Uh, you know, not, Don't throw in the towel, but this just doesn't seem right. Later on in the first half, they kick a field goal. It's 17-0. And a little, a little note popped up in the bottom corner. And it said that the last time the Packers were shut out, like in their home opener, 17-0 against the Chicago Bears in 2018. So, you know, I'm already thinking like, okay, we win this game in 2018, but can we win with Jordan Love, not Aaron Rodgers in Chicago? Different, different feel. But, you know, I'm like, okay, whatever. So... When the first half comes up, their first drive, Derek Carr gets sacked, and this is Rashawn Gary, and Derek Carr gets hurt. Oh, goodness gracious. So, I put no Carr, no car, no problem. They'll just walk with Winston. You know, Carr, walk into them, tush, try to make my own jokes here. Come on, laugh, you idiots. So, <laughs> so the next drive, we get a little bit of momentum. You know, Jordan's love hitting Romeo Dobbs. It was a 12-play drive 
But on fourth and – I believe it was fourth and four inside the 10-yard line, miscommunication, and we 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 tried to throw to the, to the backup running back. The running back uh, hitched a little too early, and Jordan overthrew the running back. So miscommunication there. It was a turnover on downs. And I'm like, we are seriously not going to do anything on offense. This defense in New Orleans is legit. So next offensive drive we have, we three and out with Jameis Winston. We get a touchdown, but we were going to get a touchdown, but we dropped it in the end zone. But we finally scored with a field goal first. So I'm like, okay, like we're on the board, 17-3. Woohoo. Next drive, we three and out again. And then Green Bay drove down. And this was a really good drive because we get all the way to a, to the uh, four goal-to-go plays, and it was very successful with a, J, with a J-Love run, and we actually had a successful two-point conversion. So it's 11 to 17, and I'm thinking, we can, we can possibly win this game. We can possibly win this game. So I'm, I'm paying more attention now because I was honestly on my computer – Looking at, you know, a whooping that was happening in South Beach. So, I was like, I'm not going to be involved in this. I want to pay attention here. Green Bay scoring. I'm like, okay, we can definitely do a lot better. So, then, Green Bay's defense, another three and out. And Green Bay, several good plays down the field. J-Love and Jalen Reed, they are hitting it off. These the, the quarterback and wide receiver group, they're very young, very inexperienced. And they're getting along very well on the field. And then J-Love throws to Romeo Dobbs. And we get a one-point lead. Touchdown to tie it. And we kick the extra point. 18 to 17. So now all comes down to this. Can Jameis interception Winston, as Spencer alluded to, can Jameis Winston lead his team to get a field goal and possibly win the game at Lambeau and just crush all of the hopes for the Packers fans. So what happens? They drive down the field, and they get to about the 28-yard line, and they missed a 46-yarder, and Green Bay won. It was, I said, Pack win, baby. And so it was 17-0. We were down. We win 18-17. Honestly, those defenses have nothing to be ashamed of. Um... Green Bay's defense really is going to be the backbone of this team. If they're on point, we have nothing to fear but fear itself, uh, otherwise known as Jordan Love making mistakes or miscommunications on offense. That is the fear that I'm talking about. But Green Bay, we came back and win 18-17. to 17. Um, I mean, combined 25 points to a combined 35 points. Just did a little bit better than y'all, Spencer. Uh, it wasn't much of a better game, but it came down to the wire more uh, than a lot of people thought. Great comeback win for Green Bay. We have Detroit. On, we have Detroit now, you know, as we're talking tomorrow night uh, on Thursday Night Football on Prime Video at Lambeau. Oh, oh boy. You're, y'all, you're going to get a lot of notifications of me acting like another person, number of former hosts on this show. Um, <laughs> but – Green Bay win. We're two and one. Shockingly, uh, should have been three and zero, oh, but that's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, it was a great win for Green Bay, beating New Orleans. All right, thank you, FDR, with the uh, 
Here's Spirit's self quote there. But Dalton, your Rams played Monday Night Football, the second Monday Night Football game of the uh, semi doubleheader because of it overlapping a little bit. But uh, how does your beloved Rams fare on Monday? And the Joe did play. Bet I'll admit right now, I kept my Rams prediction before the uh, the game. I kept with it, but how did that go? We all picked the Rams to win this. Yeah, I felt bad for you too. Uh, you guys should not have picked them to win the game. I don't know why you did, but you did it anyway. And you listen to me. What a mistake! You guys should be ashamed of yourselves. But whatever. We'll 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 we'll, we'll, we'll keep it moving. We'll keep it moving. Um, the Rams lost this football game, nineteen to sixteen. And uh, you know, um, I'm gonna get into it. Thank you, Spence, for giving me the mic. Y'all better get comfortable because I'm going to be a while. So I've got a lot to say. Uh, so sit back, relax, uh, do laundry, fix dinner, whatever the heck you have to do because I'm going to be on this mic. I don't know how long, but I'm going to say what I need to say. And uh, you're going to hear it, all of it. First, I just want to say congratulations to the Bengals for playing well defensively and their overall team effort. Burrow on his one calf and Chase and Hendrickson and Hubbard and all those guys played their butts off. Uh, Zach Taylor, um, the offensive coordinator, uh, Zach Taylor, the defensive coordinator, Lou, and uh, um, how do you pronounce that? Um can somebody pronounce that for me? Um, the defensive coordinator for the Bengals. Um, Lou, a, 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 Lou, Lou A. I don't, I don't even know. Um, but he dialed it up defensively. The crowd and since he was really into it. Um, and the Bengals deserved the win. Now that I got that out of the way and the credits, uh, let's get into uh, the meat of this. Um, for a split second, I'm going to play the blame the refs card. Um, but by no means am I placing the complete blame on the refs. Um, how could you overturn the first 2-2 touchdown? The first touchdown by 2-2 Atwell. How could you overturn that? 2-2 takes an end around to the end zone. And the evidence of him stepping out is not conclusive. Whatever you call on the field, leave it as is. If you use, if you, if like... Literally, if he was called out at first, then leave it. Then leave it that he was called out. But don't go back and when the evidence is non-conclusive, change the call. I don't care. I don't care who who was on offense at that point. If the Bengals were in that position, I would be saying the exact same thing. What was that call? That was a bullcrap call. I, I could not even understand it. I was yelling at my TV. And we were not even a quarter into the football game. They took that touchdown off the board, and the game ended up being a three-point score or a three-point difference. Um, things might have worked out differently if they would have just left it there. I don't know, you know, but that was my one thing for a split second. Uh, let me get that out of the way, and now I'll move on to the actual recap. 
of my favorite football team, the Los Angeles Rams. And I want to start with the defense. Um, the defense played well, given the circumstances. I know Joe Burrow was playing on one calf and a shell of himself, but the defense played well, keeping the offense, keeping the Rams offense in the game, despite the Bengals and Burrow driving down the field and getting into the red zone on multiple occasions. Raheem Morris with that young defense was dialing it up to keep the Rams in the game and give the offense multiple, uh, like they, they gave the Rams off. They gave the Rams offense multiple times and multiple like chances to go down and score some points. Uh, Donald Witherspoon, Young, all those other players um, were doing their best and balled out to keep the Bengals offense under 20 points. Um, And then there was the offense. And other than Puka, Tutu, Higby, and Kyron Williams, those guys played well. Uh, Those guys that I just mentioned, those four dudes played well, given the circumstances. But the rest of the offense, this was frustrating. Extremely. They pass and pass and pass like no other. It could be a tie game or a close game, but the Rams would still want to throw the ball. There was a time in this game, maybe before the half or just after, when the Rams were in the red zone, in a close game, very close game, and they threw the ball on all three downs. What the frick are you doing? Kyron Williams led the NFL in scrimmage yard or scrimmage touchdowns through two weeks. Going into week three, which was last week, he was he had two rushing touchdowns through two weeks. Feed him the football. Feed him the football. And actually, one of those was a sack. Matt Stafford took a freaking sack in the red zone. And I was yelling at my TV, like, you can't take a sack there. Christian, am I wrong? You no, can't take a sack it. in the red area. Nope. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Thank you. You can't take a sack there, man. That is an opportune time for you to get seven points. And you can't do that. You can't do it. You gotta learn to throw the football away. You gotta throw it away. If you're gonna throw it and there's nobody open, throw the football into the upper deck of Paycor Stadium and give it to some Bengals fan who's never been to a Bengals game before. For the QB specifically, Stafford does not know when to throw the ball away. He just takes sacks at inopportune times, which puts the rest of the team in a bind and a bad situation as a whole. How the heck does that make any sense? Rookie QBs in the league know when and when not to take a sack. Also, throwing the football to the other team. Please, for the love of all hope, think about where you are throwing the football before you actually throw it. Um, possessions are key and crucial. And close games, especially. Especially. Like, (laughs) oh my god. I was going insane. Insane watching this football game. Um, Stafford is a freaking veteran. And he leads the league in interceptions since being traded to the Rams. 
You want to talk about a gunslinger mentality? What the heck are we doing? You're supposed to be better than this. We didn't train for you to give it to the other team. I mean, think about that. Stafford, you are a part of a team. You're a part, not the part. You're not the guy. You're a part of a team. A 53-man roster that is on a quest to win a world championship, also known as a Super Bowl. And you don't have to play hero ball all the time. You're not in Detroit. Really, you're not. And honestly, if you were in there now, and you were in Detroit now, I don't know what happened, because they had a pretty good roster, too. I'm going to move you off to the offensive line now. The offensive line was doing fine for the first half. But in the second half, they got injured, which put a dent in the pass protection. And it's not like Sean McVay was going to run the ball anyway. So that's why I said pass protection. And only pass protection. The left tackle, Jackson, got hurt, which left Zach Thomas. Never heard of this man. Apparently, he's the backup. He had to come in and be left tackle for the rest of the night with zero help. Zero help. Trey Hendrickson, who... Gave Andrew Whitworth some grief in the Super Bowl. Was left one-on-one all night. Excuse me. In the second half, all night, was Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas is a second-year man out of San Diego State, and he could not handle it by himself. He needed a running back or a tight end to help, chip, whatever over there and help the blind side of Matthew Stafford when they were going to throw the football because everybody and their mother knew that they were going to throw the football on first down, second down, third down, and God forbid we get to a four down territory and he's going to throw it there too. They instead, instead of helping out the left side, they were giving help to the right side. Why? Why? Rob Havenstein has been in this league for multiple years and been just fine by himself. Just fine by himself. He's had more experience with one-on-ones in this league than Zach Thomas has been in the league, period. From the O-line to the play calling, my gosh, there were some awful decisions. Like, in a close game, like I said before, and I will say it again, they want to pass on literally every single down. I don't know if you know this, but the but they literally gave the Bengals' defense a chance to just rush the passer and not play the run. The Bengals, in the second half, when it was a close game, even when it was 9-9, 9-6, um... 13 to 9, whatever. When it was close, the Rams were passing it at every single down. And the Bengals were like, this is great. This is awesome. Forget the fact that they gave up 200 rushing yards for the past two weeks. I kid you not. Look at the statistics for the teams that they played in week one and week two 176 and over 200, respectively. How the 
frick do you not see that as a play caller? I would have ran it down their throats. I would have did uh, 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, running the ball. I would have ran it damn near 50 times if it meant that I was going to get a W out of this freaking game. But the Bengals defense, they did not have to worry about playing for the run, like I said. They just rushed the passer, period. And the Rams' offensive line was already dinged up. So it was like, this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. It's it's feasting time. It's dinner time. It's time for me to go get to the quarterback. That's what the Bengals were thinking the, the entire second half, no matter if it was a close game or when it got to a 10-point game. And I'm about to get to that, too. Just wait. But Sean McVay needs to go through some sort of some sort of like team intervention or something because Monday night it was his ego and and I quote I'm gonna throw it because I'm Sean McVay and I have Matthew Stafford in these wide receivers. What the heck, dude? That I mean come on. Come on, please, for once, for once, can you look at what the teams before them have been doing and having success with and just copy it? It's a copycat league. And instead, the brother wants to stand out like a sore thumb. Just can you, for once, run the ball. Just run the damn ball. Run the dang ball more than 20 times a game. He did not even he did not even get out of the run or just like completely completely what's the word I'm looking for? Um completely just like get rid of it and like abandon it because he never trusted or got to the run to begin with. Stafford threw the ball 33 times, and it would have been more if the Rams had more possessions. The Rams didn't even have that many possessions to begin with. The stats don't look awful because the Bengals limited the Rams' possessions. The Bengals dominated time of possession. They left the Rams three and outs, punt, 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 and uh, turnovers and all sorts of stuff. And then there was one that really got to me was a decision when it was late and after Stafford had screwed it up and they had not done a great job in terms of play calling. There was that decision to punt with four oh, excuse me, six minutes and nine seconds left in the fourth, when the score when the when the when the score was nineteen to nine in the Bengals' favor. The down was fourth and five. You need five yards. Five yards. It is go time. And with six minutes left in the fourth quarter, you're down by 10. It is go time. You know what they do? They punt it. Are you kidding me? Are you joking? You cannot rely on your defense, who's probably tired, really tired, to get the ball back in 30 seconds or maybe even a minute or two minutes. That's just not enough time. You don't have enough time to get the ball back, go down and score when 
all night you haven't even touched the end zone and kick on the onside and get the onside kick and recover it. That's no, that's that's not going to work. That's not going to work. The Bengals have been going up and down the field all night long, and they were actually running the ball. If you look at the statistics, they ran the ball 20 times. Were they having success in terms of yardage per carry? No, but they were running the ball to make you respect the run and make you stay on your toes like, hey, they might run it here because they've been doing it all night despite the fact that they haven't been getting a good amount of uh, yards per carry. Sean, this is not the Super Bowl before the Odell injury. Like, you have to look at your personnel. And granted, Puka Nakua has had the first two games were really good. Really good, really great. But the Bengals' defense, their main weakness was stopping the run. They could not stop the run. And so you have to take advantage of that. They're better in pass defense than they are in run defense. And you want to freaking pass the ball. That makes no sense. Come on, man. you got to see your personnel. See that you need to run the football when it is a close game. You make all this fuss about Cam Akers. Cam Akers this. Cam Akers that. He's gone. He's on the Vikings now. You got Kyron Williams, who, like I said earlier, led the NFL in scrimmage touchdowns through two weeks. And this is week three. You have to keep that momentum going. He's playing his tail off. And to reward him for his efforts for helping your team get to, let's a one-and-one one start, defeat Seattle in Seattle, which nobody gave you a chance, and then to only lose by seven to a team that has dominated your team for the past nine matches in a row. You reward the man by giving him ten freaking carries the entire game. What the hell are you doing? What is wrong with you? The game was close the entire time, and yet you wanted to pass 90% of the downs. I could play defense against the Rams offense. It would be easy to call defensive plays against the Rams because I would be able to just rush the passer. We do not even need a running back at this point if you are going to pass the ball all the time. We are turning into the Buffalo Bills of the all of these years. You guys know how I like to talk about the Bills and how they go out and get running backs, but they really just want to throw it 40, 50 times a game. You guys know how, how much I dislike the Buffalo Bills. Just run the dang ball, man. But no, let's not do that because apparently that is not cool. Apparently that's not cool. But actually, you know what? is actually not cool, like really not cool, getting sacked six times, which Matthew Stafford did. He got sacked six times, and he threw two interceptions, and you lost the football game. That's not cool.
And I and really, as I was watching this game too, I swear I was getting Mike Marks vibes. Mike Marks used to be, for those of you who don't know the history behind this franchise, Mike Marks was the offensive coordinator for the greatest show on turf. And when he became a head coach, there was, it just, you could feel everything just start to shift. We went from Dick Vermeil to Mike Marks, and it just, you felt like we were, we were getting so caught up in the, not the aura, but like, Greatest show on turf, pass to set up the run instead of run to set up the pass, and that sort of stuff. In addition, the Pats Super Bowl 53 win, that was a close game. McVay does the exact same thing that he did on Monday night. He abandoned the run, and the Pats won. Both Burrow and Brady led late drives to seal the win. Both of them. Spence and Christian, you both watched the Super Bowl. You know what happened. And I'm so pissed and disappointed in this team. It is unreal. I don't know if you can tell by my voice and me getting ramped up just talking about this game, but but I swear on Monday night, I was yelling at my TV so much, what are you all doing? Literally, what are you all doing? And then once the game was over, dude, I kid you not, I sat in my chair for a second, and then I went to bed. I literally just went to bed. I'm not going to say I was depressed, but I was, like, really sad. Excuse me. Uh, I, I'm, 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 I was so pissed and disappointed in this team uh on you know from a few nights ago on monday night uh i was literally yelling at my tv um and it was like what are you all doing and then like the game was over and i sat in my chair for a second i just went to bed i was so like not depressed but like angry and like, sad and, like, very disappointed, all wrapped up into one. And I was actually planning on doing some homework after the game was over. But those plans went out the window as soon as the game unfolded. And what really adds to my anger is that McVeigh had the, uh, the cojones. Christian, you mentioned that word earlier. What a word. Uh-huh. Mentioned that He had the cojones to run the ball on first and goal on the last touchdown drive with about under two minutes left in the fourth quarter when you're down by 10 and the clock is still running. The brother has the cojones to run the ball on first and goal and he didn't even get in the end zone when he ran the football that one time. Are you kidding me, man? You could not have done that earlier. Seriously, if the head coach is going to play games like this, like what they did on Monday night, I want another head coach. I'm not kidding you. Like, I'm – this is – this is stupid. This is stupid. I'm trying to not, like, completely – completely have, like, a massive, massive, like, um, overreaction. 
because I do realize that it is one game and it is very early in the season. But what I saw on Monday night was a tragedy. Dare I say, like Macbeth. Uh, referring to the tragedy of Macbeth by William Shakespeare. Except this time, it is a parody that I like to call, and y'all are going to love me for this, Macbeth. And, and, and really, and, and like, how Macbeth goes, and, and, you know, how this parody is going to go, instead of killing the king and a few others, depriving them of the right to live life to the fullest, like it happens in Macbeth, McVeigh kills his own freaking team and depriving them of success on the football field. I don't know what caused McVeigh to kill his team, whether it was witches or encouragement from his wife, but I will be darned if I will put up with another gosh, awful, and absolutely ridiculous performance like what I saw from the Rams on Monday Night Football again. I swear to gosh, if the Rams come out against the Indianapolis Colts and put up a lousy performance like this again, I'm calling for a firing. I do not care. I do not care. At some point, you have to realize and you have to look at the statistics and the uh, precedents and everything all wrapped up into one and realize that sometimes this guy does his own thing. He does not look at what past teams have done. He does not. I'm sure he watches film. I'm sure he does. But did you see that the past two teams who had played this Bengals defense had success running the football? Apparently not. Apparently, we just missed that part. Apparently, we are looking at our gunslinger quarterback and being like, you know what? We're different. We don't need to run the football. Instead, we're going to pass it because we're going to try to outsmart the defense. Well, you did a great job, and we lost. I'm sorry. Not we. I'm not on the football team. The Rams lost. Um, I'm calling for a firing of the head coach if they lose this next game because, for one, the fans, my dad and myself included, and the whole organization deserve a lot better in terms of play calling, in terms of game management. Um, please? I mean, look, I don't know if you realize, but there is a reason that the Rams organization only has – two Super Bowl wins and they're since the Super Bowl came about in the mid to late sixties. There has been some close calls. There has been some good coaches, but never that I I I know I know it's hard to do, which is why I give the Patriots so much credit. There's never been that sustained success over a long period of time. And really, when you look at their coaching and who's been coaches from the greatest show on turf to now, it's a whole lot of, ugh. I mean, really, it is a whole lot of mediocrity and just awful. Just awful, dude. You can go look at it. You can look at the records yourselves. And you will see it. Mediocrity and just straight up bad. 
And really, I'm glad that you all were able to see your teams win this weekend because mine just completely missed an opportunity to be two and one after three weeks and is really just resembling the downfall of past Rams teams that have been. Um, and I know they're not in St. Louis anymore, but they kind of resemble this, much like the arch of St. Louis. The rise that they had from 2017 up was slow and steady. And then once they reached the top in that Super Bowl, that downfall is quick and it's fast. It's a fast decline. It is a fast decline. They lose next week, man. I don't want to say I called it, but we could see something. I, I, I could already see the handwriting on the wall. Um, they, they Literally, they take some values, man. You may move cities. But that val- but the but the values of the organization do not do not um, they 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 go with you, they 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 stay with you, and it's been like that throughout their entire history. Like I said, including the different teams that they had uh, with the Great Show on Turf and before, you know, the more things change, the more they say the same, and it, it's it's just with different people. The situations are the same among one another as the years go by. So y'all wondering how I felt about this game um, as I've been talking for the past, I don't even know how many minutes. I haven't been keeping track. Uh, thank you so much for listening to my rant once more. Uh, if I had to place blame on anyone, I would blame McVay and Stafford for the loss. The play calling, the time management, the sacks, not knowing when to throw the football into the freaking stands, and the turnovers, man. The turnovers. And I'm not talking about that delicious pastry. I'm talking about giving the football. I'm talking about giving the football to the other team when you're not supposed to do that. You go out and you hire Mike LaFleur from the Jets, who you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but when he was with the Jets, they were all about establishing the run, man. They were all about running the football. What was it? Through nine weeks, they were seven and two, and Brees Hall looked like he was going to be offensive rookie of the year. No, no, and uh, no, no, it, it really quite the contrary. You know, you get out and you 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 go hire Michael Lafleur from the Jets. He wants to run the football, and obviously McVeigh is either not listening to him or. He's just taking it upon himself to do what he wants or both. But I don't even know why you hire him at this point. If you're not going to change how you run your offense from last year, the year before that, the year before that, dude, I kid you not, they have not ran the ball like Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers and all those great running teams in the NFL now would run the football since Todd Gurley was the back in 2017. That was the last time they actually committed to running the football. Nah, look. So, I just do not get this team at all. McVay and Stafford, you can take this week three loss, blame, and I give it to you to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse. 
for not knowing what the heck to do on offense and game management. First two weeks and last and um, on this past Monday night, it's like night and day in comparison. In fact, actually, they do actually not compare. They contrast. They're two completely different games. Uh, and so I'll leave you with this. And it should be put on a t-shirt or a hat or a banner or something because it is slowly becoming, if not already, one of my sayings on this podcast. Furthermore, it needs to be marketed or something as the succession plan for this Rams team until further notice. Just run the damn ball. Run it until you can't run it anymore. And I speak for the entire Rams community when I say those words. Again, thank you for your time and back to you, Spence. All right. Thank you for that lovely rant there, Dalton. Uh, contrary to what you may have just heard, the Rams were not the only team that played this weekend. Uh, there was a handful of other games, and we're going to go more league-wide with our game of the week, starting with Christian. How was, uh, what was your game of the week for week three? Uh, it's a little shocking game because I did not think going into week three this would be the game of the week but it's actually going to belong to the Colts and uh, Ravens. So this was in Baltimore, of course. And going into this game, Baltimore, you know, they whooped up on Houston. They had a really good win against the Cincinnati Bengals. A lot of teams were favoring uh, the Ravens to win. I believe, if I'm not wrong, I want to double-check this, the Ravens were a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against the Colts, who... They just beat the Houston Texans. Not really a shocker. We'll get to that in a little bit. And also, they had a really good game against Jacksonville uh, in week one with Anthony Richardson. So, I'm thinking in this game, Colts don't really have a big shot. Especially because Anthony Richardson was hurt and they're starting Garner Minshew. I wouldn't think this game was going to be uh, really competitive in a way. Um... They were huge on running the ball. You know, Jonathan Taylor is top five running back. A lot of people think he's better or worse. But we can't deny Jonathan Taylor has been a vocal point um, of this Colts offense the last couple of years. And a lot of the drama surrounding the Colts organization with Jonathan obviously carries a lot of the story. Um, And I always say, no, you know, no this person, no problem. Uh, they legit didn't have a problem. Zach Moss, who has been in the league for a couple of years, um, he's done really well. You know, he's a young back uh, out of Utah, and he's he's tremendous. He's absolutely tremendous, and he's playing out of his mind right now. And he had 30 carries for 122 yards. He had a really good game because the Colts, their their focus was just run the football. Baltimore Ravens. That is their identity, whether it's Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards, when it was um, J.K. Dobbins before he got hurt. They're running football team. And Baltimore and Indianapolis had this kind of shootout on what team can, you know, what team can surprise other teams. Uh, it was 19 and 19 when this game goes into overtime and this was going to be a true battle. So, you know, this was a very competitive game. Uh, and the Ravens, they had a chance to get a first down 
because it was just outside Justin Tucker's range, which 60 yards doesn't seem like rangy for a lot of kickers. But Justin Tucker, it's like, oh, 60? No, that's not a problem at all. So they were just out of range of Justin Tucker's uh, – just out of uh, – they were outside Justin's range, trying to – I don't want to say range a million times. But <laughs> they were just outside of Tucker's uh, longest field goal, which is 65 yards. Holy crap. But anyway, there was a fourth and four situation, and they had a first down throw into Zay Flowers. And there – I forget the Colts player who did this, and I saw the end of his game. The Colts player, the defensive player, had a handful of jersey. Oh, my goodness. He he could wrap his entire fist. He can have a whole fistful of a jersey. Refs didn't call it. wasn't defensive holding. Of course, the ball goes incomplete. No first down. Baltimore turns it over. And next play, Zach Moss runs for about 20-some yards. And they get in the field goal range. Next score, one. Indianapolis uh, kicked the field goal. They win this game. And I'm not going to say, oh, they stole one. The refs were screwy. There's been plenty of times where, you know, there's probably a bunch of times in this game that the Colts got penalized for something that didn't happen. Or the Ravens sure got penalized for something the refs didn't catch. It's, It's a human error. It's a human game. Obviously, in that situation, if I saw it, probably should have thrown the flag. The refs didn't see it. They didn't call it. Colts win. This team right now, it's surprising because this AFC North, it's honestly up and down. I mean, Jacksonville, who we all had as a winner, I'm pretty – Dalton, did you have them or Tennessee? I forget. Uh, Dalton had, uh, I believe, J- – we all picked we the all Jacksonville. Don't have the Jags of the two seed. Ah. But so we all thought Jacksonville was going to be the best team. Right now, they're not looking too hot. Tennessee, we obviously knew they were going to take a uh, down step. But the Colts right now have the sole lead in the division. Now, yes, it's week three. Nothing much to say, right? If you're not a Broncos or Bears fan, don't take a lot of the standings to heart. We're two and one. I guarantee we're not going to be a winning football team. I, I love my team, but come on now. Our offense without Aaron Jones is. So Colts right now, I think they got the coach right. Now, depending on what happens with Gardner Minshew, with Anthony Richardson, because uh, I believe they're still like it's a game time decision for their next game because he was in concussion protocol. Um, so for the Colts, they look like they're heading in the right direction. They're 2-1, and one and they're going up against Dalton's favorite team. Can't wait to hear that 30-minute rant uh, next week, depending on the Col- if the Rams win or lose. Either way, we got a 30-minute rant. So, I think that was game of the week. Obviously, it was, I think it was a big upset um, because this Colts team we knew could be interesting. Uh, without Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson, they're not going to be competitive. We were obviously wrong, and they upset Baltimore in Baltimore. So that was my game of the week. All right. Thanks, Christian, for that. Yeah, that was a very good game, too. Another game that I thought was very good, my game of the week, uh, a game we picked last week between the two winless teams that played head-to-head, the uh, Chargers and the Vikings. Christian, I'll give you congrats right now up front here on the Chargers getting a win. Uh, you called it. I'll give myself the applause. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. All right. And again. 
this is a game where it's okay, yeah, I thought Minnesota was gonna win and it looked like they might because the Chargers were charging. I mean and that's not I know it's not a verb. Charge. It's not like Clemsoning in college where you know for a while where they would always choke a game away. Uh but yeah, like this was one of the worst. No, nah, it was actually a good game. Like I said, it's a good game, but it's between two of the worst teams. Um and I think O'Connell's a good coach. Staley is not, and somehow he got to win. Like they had a trick play for Keenan Allen where Keenan Allen threw a touchdown pass. Um which again, I'm always a fan, you know, of double passes where it, you know, wide receiver passes. Uh, not tight end passes for obvious reasons. Uh, but I love, like, a right receiver pass. And, again, when Keenan Allen found Mike Williams before Williams got injured, just amazing to watch. The Chargers led 21-10. You're like, okay, how are the Chargers going to blow it this time? You know, K.J. Osborne scores. It's 21-17. Justin Jefferson scores 52-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter to make it 24-21. Palmer then gets a touchdown, and it's 28-24. You're like, okay, what's going to happen here? The Chargers have, uh, I don't want to find the exact number. It was like fourth and three, I believe, late in the game. And you're from your own 24. Like, there's really no, like, why are you doing this? Like, you get a first down, sure, you can burn the clock out because Minnesota is out of timeouts. They can just burn their last timeout. And uh, maybe the analytics might say, yeah, the likelihood of them winning uh, if they get the first down versus punny, it's the exact same. Or it's like, you know, you percentage points here because Staley, big on analytics. But just no sense of, like, football. Does it make sense to go for it on fourth and one from your 24 when, the, you know, the worst thing that happens is you give them the ball back and they're 24 yards from the end zone to score the touchdown that would have won the game. And they get down there. Like, I mean, again, KJ Osborne, uh, no, not that one. Uh, but, the, you know, there's Kirk Cousins slowly but surely working his way uh, down the field. I mean, sure, they took a few plays where uh, not much was happening. And they had they did benefit from a penalty on a illegal use of hands that reset the clock on reset the downs. And, again, you have it. It's fourth and five at the 15. And... Cousins actually gets a completion to TJ Hawkinson for nine yards. And, like, we're watching this game, and it's like, why? I mean, they, they were out of timeouts, like I mentioned earlier. Get there and spike it. Like, you've given yourself no time here. You can give yourself three chances at the goal line when you're six yards out. Like, surely you can come up with three different plays there. They burn it down. They don't get a snap up to maybe about 16 seconds or so, give or take there. And... Again, you're not giving so much time. Like incomplete there. Like you run one more play, uh, you may get like another play or two. Um, and then the play call may not even have been a bad play call, but the ball's deflected, and it's intercepted by Kenneth Murray of the Chargers in the end zone. The Chargers uh, escape with a win in a game that, like we joke, like does Staley save his job? Staley might be the first coach that might actually have lost his job despite winning a game. Uh, well, maybe second after Lovey Smith last year, who lost a job after winning a game last late in the year. But he he's he, if he's on the hot seat, the seat didn't get any cooler with that win. It may have got warmer because he's so many of the dumbest decision making that I've seen Brandon Staley make from time and time again. And somehow they escape it. Minnesota 0 and three, and it's very fascinating to see what Minnesota can do um, this year because okay, we will preview because they play the 0 and three Panthers this week. And, like, at what point do you, if you're Minnesota, you kind of maybe think about the next uh, iteration of the team 
and getting rid of Kirk Cousins to maybe bring in Caleb Williams at number one next year? Because you already got Jordan Addison on your team. He played a year of college ball with Caleb, and we've seen how that works reuniting receivers and quarterbacks in the NFL level, level a la Jamar Chase and uh, <laughs> and Joe Burrow. I don't know how they escaped me for a second there. There's other examples there. Uh, so Minnesota's got some questions to ask themselves going forward is, you know, because Kirk's getting up there in age and you can reset a clock with a rookie quarterback and get, you know, those are some prime years because your roster's not really bad outside maybe running back, um, which I know you just acquired Cam Akers, who um, I don't believe did anything. Because, uh, again, he's still getting acclimated to the system. He was just acquired there on, I believe, uh, Wednesday last week. So not much going on there. But nonetheless, my game of the week, Chargers getting, in my opinion, a stunning win over the Minnesota Vikings. Dalda, what was your game of the week for week three? Thank you, Spence. Uh, my game of the week uh, was not a close game, and it was just straight fireworks, baby. Just fireworks. It wasn't even the 4th of July, man, and it was just straight fireworks. Broncos and Dolphins, a nice 70-piece uh, for the Denver Broncos community to take home with them uh, as they go back to the great state of Colorado. Um the Dolphins were the first team with five rushing and five passing touchdowns in a single game. They totaled over 700 yards of total offense. And they were the first team to score 70 points since the 1960s. What a performance. I mean, that, that, was, a, that was not only a clinic, that was a, that was a full-on a full-on performance. I couldn't tell if I was watching Hamilton or football because of how great of a performance that was. They, gosh, I mean, you we when we when we think about all of the great offensive juggernauts that have happened in this league for the past since the league has existed. Um, the '07 Patriots come to mind. Uh, with Randy Moss, the '98 Vikings come to mind. Um, the Saints, one of the one of their years, I think it was 2013. Um, uh, the Broncos uh, with Peyton, I think it was 2014, maybe. I don't know. Uh, you might have to fact check me on that one. Uh, the 2000 Rams, the '84 Dolphins, that uh, the Chargers of uh, from 1981. The, uh, the 49ers uh, from 1994 and uh, the 19 uh, the, uh, excuse me the commanders formerly known as the Redskins from 1983 uh, and and the, and really like guys if the Dolphins keep this up they're going to shatter all of this like literally they could shatter the records for, you know, like the offensive output in a single season. They could absolutely obliterate them. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm a freaking idiot for not seeing this. Forget the fact that Jalen Ramsey is not playing on their team. I don't even think they need the man. Like, their offense can score 100 if they really wanted to. They can, I mean, they've proven they can score 70 on any given Sunday. 
Great movie, by the way. If you haven't watched it, any given Sunday with Al Pacino, great movie. Definitely recommend. But back to the Dolphins. I mean, this is this is exceptional. This is exceptional. And I feel like a complete idiot for not a picking them to the to win the division and b not having more faith in their offense, especially in that division. And I'm sorry, Spence, but that division. It is a defensive heavy posi- uh, division with the Bills. They could stunt and really, they could either be your best or act like I don't even know on any given night. And I feel like the Dolphins, up until this point, have been the only consistent team uh, from an offensive standpoint and been completely and utterly dangerous. And it's not like their defense is completely awful. You know, Bradley Chubb, Xavier Howard, Jalen Phillips. And they've uh, they've played better. They've played good. Good, not great. Because their offense is so great. And I feel like this is one of those teams with the Dolphins where they don't they, their defense doesn't need to be the 85 Bears. Their defense doesn't need to be the Oakland Patriots. Their defense doesn't need to be uh, the Packers so far this upcoming season, where they have to be the backbone of the team, and the offense just needs to score an X amount of points, and they'll win the football game. No, the Dolphins can literally go off. They could go off at any moment in time. You know, it's you got to just, you know, it's uh, you, you you literally just never know, and you and what's really dangerous is that you have to prepare for both the run and the pass because they'll kill you either way. Mike McDaniel is not afraid to kill you either way. If he has to pass for over 500 yards to beat you, then he'll do it. If he has to run for 500 yards, then he'll do it. If it means beating you. So, my game of the week, and it's, again, it's not because it was close like your all's games were. It's because the Dolphins put on an absolute show and something in terms of scoring, you know, is completely unprecedented. Or if it has happened before, it hasn't happened in, you know, 60 to 70 years almost. All right. Thank you, Dolan, for that. On up next, we have our Player of the Week. And I'll lead things off with player of the week. And for me, the player of week three, I'm going to go with Andrew Beck, the fullback for the Houston Texans, uh, for one play and one play only. And that is the 85-yard kick return touchdown that Beck had in the Texans win over the Jaguars. Uh, A bit of a stunning game there. but, yeah, Andrew Beck, again, nothing in the game except for 85-yard kick return on, like, a kind of a pooch kick uh, where Beck picks it up. Again, anytime you see, like, a non-traditional uh, player return a kick, you know, Dan Conley of the Patriots years ago, I believe it was a Thanksgiving day. You know, it was the game against the Packers, if I'm not mistaken, uh, like a Sunday. Um, I was confused. That was, like, Thanksgiving day against the Jets. Uh, but, nonetheless, Dan Conley had a uh, kick return, almost touchdown. Uh, did not get there, but Andrew Beck, I mean, 
And again, this CJ Stroud also had a fantastic game um, for the Jets, 280 and two touches. But Andrew Beck got to show some love for the fullback. It's a dying position, um, but he is showing that, you know, they are people too, and, and give them a chance on a kick return. And, you know, let the big boys eat. Let them eat. Uh, Dolan, who was your player of the week for week three? Yeah, Spence, I'm going to stay with the same game. And, you know, I, I, I really thought this over because I had had a few guys in mind. You know, I was thinking, you know, maybe some guys from the Dolphins games because, you know, they showed out. Um, but I'm going to stay with the same game you just picked or you just referenced. Uh, and I'm going to go with C.J. Stroud. And it's because not because I liked him more than more than um, a guy who has made his name on this podcast and Bryce Young. Uh but C.J. Stroud finally coming into his own, and knock on wood, and I don't know where wood is in, where I'm at right now, but I'm knocking on it. Knock on wood, the man has not thrown an interception just yet. He hasn't thrown an interception. He's turnover free through three weeks. And you're talking about a Texans team who literally – Nobody thought that they were going to do anything this season that, you know, that you look at their roster top to bottom and you're like, what, who, who is, who are these people? I mean, I see the coach and I see the quarterback. The running back was good last year and certain spots. But other than that, what am I looking at? And for them to beat the Jags in Jacksonville by 20, uh, that was impressive. And really, I uh, CJ Stroud for going 20 for 30, 280 yards, almost 10 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, no picks, and that Texans offensive line did not give up a single sack. Great performance by CJ Stroud. Great performance. And even though they have a defensive head coach, Demeco Ryan's is, and we saw this in San Francisco. I saw it up close and personal in San Francisco. The man can coach, and it was an it was it was only a matter of time before he got all of the guys in line, defensively specifically because that's his forte since he was the defensive coordinator in San Francisco, obviously becomes the head coach of the Texans. And then the offense getting into their groove. Anybody heard of Tank Dell? Tank Dell had five receptions for 145 yards this past weekend. I didn't even know who Tank Dell was coming into the season. I knew they had Robert Woods. I knew Nico Collins was a good player that, you know, they kind of they kind of relied on him the past couple years, um, and you know Robert Woods always, always a guy that you can that you can count on. But man, that's good. I feel like these Texans with C.J. Stroud at quarterback, they're going to come into their own man, and they're really going to be a tough team. They're going to be a tough team to beat, and you know I'm happy for them. I got to say this. I'm happy for him. I got a buddy who's a Texans fan. He's happy. When they drafted Stroud and Will Anderson, he was pumping his fist. He was like, heck yeah, let's go. 
Let's go, man. I mean, this is great. You know, I'm I'm more I'm excited to see, you know, CJ Stroud keep up this great effort that he's got going through three weeks of of his first season. Um, I'm excited to see what else he has in store, and uh, you know how the rest of the season plays out. And you know, it's it's cool, it's great. Um, so yeah. My player of the week was CJ Stroud. All right. Christian, who was your player of the week for week three? Um, I'm going to get hate from this. I'm going to get hate from Spencer. I'm going to get hate from Dalton. I'm going to get hate from anyone else who's listening to this podcast. Um, player of the week is Travis Kelsey. And I don't oh have Oh, my to, gosh. Yeah, I don't have much to go on. Um, Travis Kelsey – is to I don't I don't think blame. What's the opposite of blame? To uh, to congratulate, um, <laughs> to uh, be admired, uh, oh because he brought in so many uh, fans to the NFL. I think NFL is going to have a, kind of a Carrie Underwood scenario. You know, Chris Stapleton does the intro for Monday Night Football on ESPN. Carrie Underwood does the intro to Sunday Night Football. Amazon Prime, come on now, Thursday Night Football. You wouldn't want a Swifty, you know, uh, introducing the, you know, the Bears and uh, Commanders next week. I don't know. You know, I think that would be really interesting. But Travis Kelsey, who had 69 yards, we're all all 23. Yep. We're all 23-year-olds talking about 69. We never grow up. We just grow old. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I legit – I'm not actually saying Travis Kelsey is on fire of the week. I just want to get that reaction. No, Um, I legit – for a second, I thought about saying Travis Kelsey because he was good on the field. I was like, I got to say it. Like, (laughs) no no podcast, no radio show, no show in general – Talk about sports is not going to talk about this. Oh, 100%. Got to discuss it. Um, actually, you know what? Screw it. I don't need to talk about Alante Taylor, who I think, you know, he's second-round pick out of New Orleans Saints, had a tremendous game covering up Romeo Dobbs to begin the game. Actually had the only sack uh, on a cat blitz, corner blitz on Jordan Love. Great game that he had. No, my player is Travis Cup. Like, he's a player on and off the field, man. Like, come on now. Like, you get – I mean, I, I'm not the biggest fan of her music. I'm not going to be honest. Like, is she, you know, a popular figure? Absolutely. Overrated, I think. But, obviously, she he's dating a celebrity. And a lot of Swifties, uh, including my sister, who actually loves football anyway, you know, she was like, oh, my gosh, like, I can't believe about this guy. <laughs> yeah. Can't believe it either. Uh, so, my player of the week, player on and off the field, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and can I just say one more thing on that, Christian? Um, for another 30 minutes? No, not for another 30 minutes. Um, and actually, dude, if we were going to go on for another 30 minutes, it would be more than one thing, let's be honest. But, you know, Bill said it, Bill Belichick said it uh, really great when somebody asked him about the whole Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey situation. That that was Travis Kelsey's 
best catch of all. Hmm. He's had a lot of great catches, but this Taylor Swift thing was uh, his best. All right, shifting gears from Swift to the most impressive team. This is a uh, team centric award, and we're going to start off with Dalton. Dalton, who was the most impressive team for you in week three? Um, great question. It was a tough decision, but you know, I, I've I've really got to stick to stick to my Lou and. Uh, Pick a pick a team that really did an outstanding job of um, beating their team into submission, and it was the Miami Dolphins. Uh, as if I couldn't talk about them enough, when we did the game of the week, uh, the Dolphins were impressive from an offensive standpoint, and they completely shut the Broncos down and held them to 10 points. Um, that was, that was an impressive, impressive win for them. Uh, so yeah, that was my most impressive team this week. All right, Christian, who was your most impressive team for week three? Um, there's a couple. Um, I think it's going to be the Cleveland Browns. Um, look, um, obviously we talked about Cleveland and Pitt the last week. Um, we talked about how, you know, not a lot of us, uh, are big fans of Deshaun Watson as a person, as a player, he's a good quarterback, uh, but he hasn't, you know, he's been off for a year and a half. He only played, I think it was six games last year because of the suspensions and he started off kind of sloppy. Uh, even the game against the Bengals, it was okay. You, you you know, you play Tennessee, and that defense is for real, man. I get it's the Titans, and, I mean, the the last games they played, struggling Bengals offense, struggling Steelers offense, and Tennessee's offense. You're not playing the best teams here. And, and let, let's not get, a, get us out of the way. Cleveland, Cleveland's offense lost the game for them. Two turnovers led to touchdowns, defensive touchdowns for Pitt. That's what separated this game, that game on Monday Night Football a week ago. Cleveland's defense is a very impressive unit as of right now. They're going to have a struggling game against Baltimore. Let's see what they can really do against the test. But Deshaun Watson had a pretty good game, 27 for 33, you know, 289, had two touchdowns. The offensive line does need to get better because two sacks for a daggum 26 yards is, you know, sorry, three sacks for 26 yards. That's not very good. They got to get the run game going. Um, but I think Cleveland was really impressive because we all thought, oh, this game could be kind of a struggle. I really like this defense led by Miles Garrett. I think their defensive unit is a very good unit. Their offense, especially Deshaun, has to click if they want a shot at the AFC North title or even a wild card spot in December, January. All right. Thank you for that. For me, my most impressive team, it's a team that I've been pretty critical of, but I got it. They, they won 37 to 3, the Buffalo Bills. I guess the Commanders team that I thought could be, you know, potentially a playoff team. And they, again, they're 2 and 1. They're not, it's like they're, you know, not in the playoff race, but, you know, they handled business against the uh, Las Vegas. 
They handled business again. The command. They took down Sam Howell, forced him to throw four interceptions. Uh, and, and Washington, it was a shutout until they got a, you know, a measly field goal with 46 seconds to go to avoid getting uh, shut out there. So congratulations, Washington. You're you're not shut out, but it was it was still an embarrassing performance there. Uh, Brian Robinson, 10 for 70, a few, one bright spot there. But again, Josh Allen, one touchdown through the air. He also had one on the ground. And Davis Murray punched one in. Um, but Tyler Bass, he had a, a fantastic game for um, himself. Three of three on field goals, including four of four on extra points. There, overall, a complete game by the Bills, trying to showcase why you know they've been teamed as dominate the division for you know quite some time. So Buffalo Bills, my most impressive team for this week. On to the next subject, the least impressive team. Christian, start us off. Who was not very impressive to you this past week? I mean, there's a handful of teams. Um, but I got to go to the Jets, man. I like New York. I, I really like New York is not going to invite me to any parties anytime soon. Uh, I dogged the Giants the first two weeks. I'm dogging the Jets. Look, you you have a team that is not confident in the quarterback. The second Aaron Rodgers got hurt, four plays, the entire stadium, even though they won on week one Monday night football against the Bills, that stadium just went, oh, God, here we go again. The next two weeks, Zach Wilson – doesn't know what's going on. The game looks too fast for him. It's he, he's just he's just a little baby in the grocery store. Can't find his mommy. It, that's exactly what he is. This week, we saw off the field. Bre- uh, it wasn't Brees Hall. It was Garrett Wilson yelling at Zach Wilson and the quarterback coach. You had Michael Carter, who's a third slash fourth string running back yelling at his running back coach aggressively. You have you seriously have 52 guys who seriously want to wrap their hands around the one quarterback they have because nobody believes in Zach Wilson. Ever since when they played New England, I believe it was I think it was in New York, I think last year. I could be wrong. 10 to 3 New England. Yep. It was that game, that post game Again, I, I kind of want to be in athletics and I want to work with, you know, college athletes, maybe, you know, professional, who knows. But you have to understand that you're going – take the blame. Take blame, even if it's not your fault, take the blame yourself. Like, that's it. Zach Wilson could have had 700 yards passing, 20 touchdowns in a game. They could have lost their game by three. Yeah, that's on me, man. No, like, that's on me. Like, I messed up here. You, you, you can only have one messed up pass, one incompletion the entire time. Man, that, that's on me, man. You you do not say, when you're asked, do you think you let your team down? Nope. Next question. No. <laughs> the entire team turned on him. It was like a daggum heel turn, or really a you know heel turn for Zach Wilson, WWE-wise. Like, everybody hates the guy. Everybody was praying a quarterback would come to New York, whether they drafted one or picked up one. Aaron Rodgers for four plays. That was your miracle. In this game, in this close defensive game, 
against New England. Their offense has been kind of hit and miss when they played Philadelphia. It was hit and miss last week when they played the Dolphins. This week is the Jets. <laughs> it's the Jets, and you can't beat New England. It was an offense that has struggled with Mac Jones. Struggled. The Patriots kind of like Mac Jones. It's probably kind of hit and miss. Nobody likes Zach Wilson. And Robert Saya, he's in the toughest position because him as a head coach, guess what? You already got two active quarter yeah, two active quarterbacks in week one. Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson. Guess what? You only have Zach Wilson. You can't replace him. You cannot replace him. They picked up Trevor Simeon uh, in free agency, which Dalton hilariously put Sin- Trevor Simeon Toast Crunch. See, I can't even say it. I was saying it's Trevor's first name. Simeon Toast Crunch. Yep, a hundred percent. So now you have two quarterbacks. If if Zach ain't good, Robin can just go. Yeah, Zach sucks. We're gonna ride with Trevor because you have to. You have to at this point. Like this season. Like, like, it's dead in the water. It just is. You're going to have guys, maybe, Sauce Gardner, Brace, and um, Garrett, they may all say, hey, I, I want to get out of here, right? Because 40-year-old, out of Achilles injury, can you really expect much out of that? I don't know if he's going to come back better than before. It's it, this just my least impressive team because they're trying to – like the ship got destroyed by a wrecking ball, by a, um, a kind of a wrecking ball, and they're trying to piece it together with you know the gorilla flex tape and freaking super glue. They can't. It's it's a dead season. And understand, Zach Wilson has to play because they have no other quarterback. The team doesn't believe in him. The coaching staff doesn't believe in him. Whatever they're saying to the media, I've been behind the scenes way too many times saying a lot of these guys are just saying it even though they don't believe it. Zach Wilson is not the guy. He is a bust. No, nobody in the New York Jets organization trusts him because they picked up a quarterback, a you know 39-year-old quarterback to replace his butt. So it, my least impressive team, I had so much hopes for New York with Aaron. This team was just dead in the water. Yeah, for me, my least impressive team, and it's going to piggyback off Christian, your most impressive team, was the Browns, flip side of that, least impressive the Tennessee Titans, only putting three points there. Hey, Nick Foles, I liked him when he was in New England, but it, still he had run his course. He's one of the few bright spots on the uh, Tennessee Titans. He got another field goal to his name. That's the second game this year where the only points they scored was because of Nick Folk after losing 16-15 in week one. Uh, and then last week, obviously, hit the game winner. So Nick Folk's having a great season. That's about it. Like, Tannehill, 13 for 2,504 yards. That's not impressive. You've been sacked five times. You only ran the ball 15 times. And Derrick King Henry, um, and it's more testament, I think, to Cleveland than anything. But Derrick had 11 carries for 20 yards. That's 1.8 yards a carry. Uh, this is not the Derrick Henry where it was a few years ago. Hand him the ball. Let him. He's going to offer his play of the year. Let him just go off. He ran up for 2,000 yards a couple years ago. Uh, just not. So you got old man DeAndre Hopkins now, three of forty-eight, one Bryce Bond the receiving game. There's more, I guess, two for forty-one. But Titans, I mean, you gotta get something going on offense. You got one win, and it's against a Chargers team who has a coach who's trying to lose his job, it seems, at times. Uh, but that that's me, my least impressive team, the Tennessee Titans. It, it, a team that seems like they're going nowhere. I like Brable a lot. Dalton, who was your least impressive team in week three? 
my least impressive team was the Minnesota Vikings. I think part of this stems from me picking them in back-to-back weeks. Excuse me. Am I stupid? No, I'm not. I picked them in back-to-back weeks. In week two, I picked them against the Eagles. Lost. I picked them against the Chargers. Lost. And also, I was about to pick the Chargers as my least impressive, but I had them for last week. And last week's reason for them for the Chargers being least impressive is the same thing as it would have been for this week. So I'm going to go with the Vikings. And and I can't remember if it was you, Spencer, or you, Christian, or you both at the same time. But you mentioned how you didn't take the spike after you got the ball. Down there in the red zone, Brandon Staley has the most, one of the most boneheaded calls, or one of the most boneheaded plays that I've ever seen a head coach make. Uh, a, a run, a run on fourth and one in your own territory when everybody and their mother knows that you're going to run the football, and yet you do it anyway, running it, giving the ball to Joshua Kelly, who has, since since their top back, Austin Eckler has been out of the lineup, Josh Kelly, Joshua Kelly hasn't done jack. He hasn't done jack. Go look at his statistics. He hasn't done jack as the starting quarter. And so you want to give him the ball on fourth and one so it's game of the balance. And guess what? The Vikings actually have a chance to win the football game. They actually have a chance. And you know what? What, you know what happens after that? So you said it earlier so so gracefully. They screwed it. They went down there and it got to a point where they were low on time. And instead of spiking the ball like a normal football team would, they decided, you know what? We're gonna go one play. Kurt put his put his hands up to his ears like he was trying to hear a play call. And then he got everybody set and he says, I'm the hero. And then he threw an interception. He threw it, got tipped, and freaking yeah. Just Caught by the other team. And my God, my gosh, you should have seen me. As soon as that happened, man, I was so deflated. I was so deflated. Like a big bouncy house with a massive hole in the bottom of it. Just nothing could keep me up. And I was thinking, why would you not spike the ball? And I talked about this in the chat. Like, I, I was talking, we were talking about it. It's like, why would you not spike the ball? You've got to clock it there. Give yourself more than one opportunity to get in the end zone. And can I just say this, too? Why is it that when these teams get into the red zone... Have you noticed that these that some of these squads only like to pass it? You the Vikings. The Vikings. Timers running down. They were inside the 10-yard line, if I recall. It, it, I mean 10 to 15 yards at least. 
you have time. If you spike it, you got at least two plays. You can run the ball. You can run the ball. Everybody's expecting a pass. Dude, come on, man. If you don't get it, then there's still a chance. And also, can I just go back to that pass real quick? Don't they teach you in football to throw it at the dirt? Anyway, the Vikings just completely screwed it up when they had a chance. So, yeah, that was my least impressive. All right. Next up, on, uh, next up, we have the biggest surprise for the previous week. And for me, it's going to start with um, maybe the one of the biggest upsets in the season so far. A Cardinals team that we thought might win maybe one game all season. And a Cowboys team that through two weeks looked really good. Um, and somehow the Cowboys go into Glendale, Arizona, home of the Cow of uh, the Cardinals. Excuse me. Uh, it may have felt like a Car- Cowboys. Only. I have no clue because Cowboys have a lot of fans. But the Cardinals stunned the football world and upset Dallas. Head coach Jonathan Gannon uh, gets his first NFL win of his career uh, with Dobbs going seventeen to twenty-one, one hundred eighty-nine yards and a touchdown uh, pass. They had to Marquise Brown. Um, just overall a great day for the Cardinals. Rondell Moore, a guy that I went to high school with, um, had a rushing touchdown of 45 yards. Just a beautiful play there. And again, Dallas, like, I don't know what's going on there. Like, McCarthy maybe kind of loses job at this point. Uh, for, for all we know here, uh, it just was an embarrassing. Again, this is a team that two weeks ago blew out the Giants 40 to nothing, and now you're losing to Arizona. Uh, and again, I mentioned week one, like Arizona was one of my most impressive teams because like they fought back. Like they were not out of that game. Like if you're Arizona, you look at it through three weeks and there's a world where you could be three, and zero. like, it's not inconceivable that the Cardinals could have been three, and zero this year, um, just given the way the game's played, but nonetheless, like the Cardinals, uh, stunning Dallas. That was my biggest surprise of this week. Dolan, what was your biggest surprise from this week? It's got to be the Colts. Um, Spence, I don't know if you can hear me right now because I've been having some issues with you know talking, but it's got to be the Indianapolis Colts. And they've done a great job of being able to play to the strengths of their football team. Really, really like putting all their chips into like, hey, our quarterback runs it a lot. He's a rookie. We're going to play to his strength. And then our running back, obviously, Zach Moss, we're going to give him the ball, and we're going to give it to him a lot. We kind of saw this with Philly. You know, Philly and and the Colts, they're not so so, um, different when 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 you really think about it. You know, Philly has a quarterback who can who can sling it, but he can also run. And kind of like that dual threat uh, sort of play. And we've seen we've seen it um, that, you know, the Colts quarterback and Anthony Richardson, he can 
he can throw the ball if he needs to. Um, and he can also run it, uh, which makes the Colts dangerous. And they can beat anybody at on literally like any given week. Um, and they're they're two and one, if I'm not mistaken, through three weeks. And they've got the Los Angeles Rams this week. And so could that be a win? Potentially. They could be three and one after four weeks, and we'd be looking at the division like holy crap. The Indianapolis Colts could win this division, um, which could be something that personally I I didn't even see coming because I had the Colts with an one overall pick. What an what an idiot I am! It's a few that's a few picks I've got right so far. Yeah, biggest surprise: the Indianapolis Colts have really win football games so far, or you know, if not winning the. All right, Christian, what was your biggest surprise from this week? Yeah, so my biggest surprise, um, you know, I'm going to rant about this for a little bit, but we probably talked about this before when Denver did hire Sean Payton to become uh, their, their next head coach. In July of this year during training camps, um, I don't know if they asked the question or this just came up out of Sean Payton, but he discussed how the last regime, which was Nathaniel Hackett, who's the OC at the Jets right now, you know, how that coaching job in Denver, one of the worst coaching jobs ever. We don't want to do that here. New age Broncos, this kind of stuff going on. And I've been in college athletics for a while and seen many different coaches react to certain situations um, like to kind of boost, you know, team's confidence, to, you know, that after the team lost, like we got to kind of pump this crowd up. Um, I, I understand like gaining morale and everything, but I have never seen a coach dog, a former regime and then play worse than the previous regime that you dogged. So, and I had to look this stat up because this it, it seems embarrassing, right? Sean, Sean and Nathaniel, their first games of the season. By the way, 17 to 16. 17 16 loss in both of those games. Seattle won last year in 2022 against Denver, and the Raiders won uh, this time around. Next week, Wash, you know, Denver has a I think 18 nothing lead. And they blow their lead to Washington Commanders, and um, and they lose yet another game. Now, yeah, they had a two-point conversion. You know, they got a Hail Mary, two-point conversion failed. And it was like, okay, this team doesn't, you know, it can't, it can't be that bad, right? The next week, they allow 70 points defensively. In Nathaniel Hackett's first three games, they allowed 36 points. 36 defensively, two and one. So I'm like, at this point last year, we're like, okay, Denver is going to play close games. They're not going to separate a ton, but if they win, they win. Rather win close than lose big, you know, lose overall. But like two and one, okay, Denver looks like they have a shot. Sean Payton is 0 for 3, 122 points allowed. Now, yes, now Miami. That game is going to be kind of like a 
like a Ohio State versus Panera State uh, kind of you know game where those stats kind of inflectuate what happens when you play, play real competition. It's sad to say that that was the game for Denver. How you can possibly go for a Mountain West team and be competitive. You can't. Like, you may lose to Fresno State. You may lose to Boise State. Heck, I think if they, like, the pack Mountain West, whatever that whole stuff's going on, they're probably going to lose to Washington State. They have not shown up at all. Sean Payton wants to talk that all this hype, Oh, we're going to be better. We're going to be different. How different? What different do you mean? Different in a good way or different in Nathaniel Hackett can triple, triple how how he did and still can't compare to us because we're that bad. Vance Joseph, defensive coordinator, should be ashamed, 100%. And Russell Wilson, the team that doesn't want to play for him, they have no confidence has anybody heard from Russell Wilson about these losses? No, we're only hearing Sean. Okay, good deal. Russell Wilson is probably on his private jet with his beautiful wife, not having a care in the world, having all these different, um, ex- you know, commodities that he, you know, this is his offense. It's the way he wants to do things, and it's his way or the highway. Because Russell Wilson definitely wasn't carried by Pete Carroll in, in the Legion of Boom. We all thought that, oh, can Russell – is Russell a top quarterback? Is it the Legion of Boom? Is it Pete Carroll? Geno Smith was a bust in the New York Jets. Bust in the New York Jets. He was a backup for the Giants and a backup for the Chargers. And all of a sudden, he has this resurgence in Seattle. Resurgence. Oh, maybe it is Pete Carroll, you know, trusting the run game, trusting play action, trusting the defense building that kind of team in a more fun, exotic way, more than Bill Belichick. But Seattle looks like Pete Carroll's going to win in the end, not Russell Wilson. Because Russell was a bona fide Hall of Famer because he's been to two Super Bowls in a row and won one in a blowout against who? The Denver Broncos. They're used to getting blown out out of the water and making history. I I just, it, it, it upsets me that you can't you can talk your butt off. You have a great tongue. You can sell you can sell sand to a camel. You are you are a tremendous guy. You can sell water to a fish. You are you have this way of speaking and this confidence. Ooh, Denver and Mile High, baby. I wanna set I wanna get that season tickets right now. Sell out Mile High. And what do you do? You perform like this. Now again. This is his first year in a, with a terrible organization that is drafted very hit and miss, that have two very young stars who shouldn't re-sign with the team, Patrick Sertan and Jerry Judy. Should not re-sign with this organization. They, ha- they cannot find a quarterback since Peyton Manning, who they had to sign in free agency because they draft, you know, giant Paxton Lynch. They drafted Drew Locke, who I was kind of, on when he was at Mizzou. Russell Wilson obviously is a bust. They're probably going to go after, they're probably going to reach on a quarterback. And he may be a good quarterback in our eyes, but he could not he may not work out. I'm not going to say these guys' names because I don't want them to uh, bust out. But Denver is not a well run organization, and this stuff is going on. 
and you have the courage and the goal to say all this stuff and you can't put it out on the field. These are not teams we, besides Miami, besides Miami, that's a different beast. Commanders just got blown out by the Buffalo Bills. The Raiders and Josh McDaniels screwed themselves out of games. What, what teams are you playing that are like, oh my gosh, like, man, they're, they're playing tough matchups. They're not playing tough matchups. They got the Bears this week. Who are we going to talk about? If they lose to the Bears, dude, you got you got to get somebody out of there because this is a ter- this is a terribly run organization that would rather talk about being successful than actually going out on the field and producing. Now again, this is hitting in the draft. This is having free agents have that marketability where free agents want to come play for these teams. Nobody wants to play for Russell Wilson. Nobody wants to play for a defense that is allowing 70 points. And thank goodness that uh, Mike McDaniels didn't decide to kick an extra field goal to tie the record to make Denver even worse. He actually, the former ball boy of Denver, has more, I guess, confidence and more, I would say, like manners, bedside manners, than Sean Payton wants to rip up former regimes and they can't do anything. So I know like I'm, I've been on rants and I kind of, you know, take stabs at co-hosts here for doing rants, but I, I would, this like, this really gets to me because I never, I never want people to, I'd rather people show, prove them that they're wrong than talk and prove them right. You know, you always hear, if people think you're an idiot or people think you're not good, you rather them, you rather show it on the field, prove them wrong, than talk and prove it right. Sean Payton, you've been proven right saying this entire year is up in smoke. If you lose to the Bears, it definitely is. It, it just, it, it's, an, it's my biggest surprise that he wants to talk all this trash and he can't put it on the field. That's my that's my rank. Oh, all good, Christian. Totally warranted in every sense of the word there. Uh, but that's been our week three recap for this week. On to week four preview. We do have, as Christian alluded to, we have two 0 and 2, or 0 and 3, excuse me, 0 and 3 games, which we will get to in a second. Um, but I like to go chronologically. I just think it flows better. If you want to wake up really early, depending on where you live, 9.30 Eastern, uh, 6.30 all the way out in uh, Pacific time, if you want to wake up that early, ESPN Plus exclusive with the Falcons and the Jaguars live from Wembley Stadium in London. There's also the alternative toy, which, I mean, if you know me, that's my favorite movie of all time, is Toy Story. So I will definitely be tuning into that, bro. I'm not even joking when I say that. Like, I will be tuning in. To see how bad or good that uh, the Toy Story alternative broadcast uh, goes, I might have like a second TV on like the actual game play itself. Uh, but nonetheless, I digress on that notion there. But it's a fascinating game because it, again, both these teams kind of had high hopes because Falcons, like I mentioned, the division's not very good. Jaguars, um, you know, you won the division last year. Although again, last year Jacksonville started off really bad. They were, I believe, three and seven. Uh, before turning it around and going uh, nine and eight to win the division at the very end of the year, 
Uh, it's a winnable division. Like it's both teams in very four divisions that's pretty winnable. Um, even before the year, like we looked at that, this would be that game. Um, but I'm excited. It's, it's London. You get Desmond Ritter, who again, I'm not the biggest fan of, uh, for a variety of reasons. Trevor Lawrence, who he's kind of been up or down, like given where the hype that he had coming out, and I believe you know, rightly so, he deserved the hype. Not been hit or kind of hit or miss there, but the running back game, you got Travis uh, Etienne there. You got B. John Robinson, the number one, uh, number one running back in last year's class, who is still trying to chase his first NFL touchdown. Actually, well, he had a receiving touchdown, uh, but he hasn't touchdown yet. Still trying to chase. Um, but again, the first of again three straight weeks will be in London, and the Jaguars, you know. I think this might be the first time they've ever done this. We'll have two home or, or two games in London back to back weeks. Um, will again, it's just weird that like again, Con wants to move the Jaguars to London. I feel at one point, and, uh, this back to back weeks. Uh, Doll, what are you looking forward to in the Falcons and Jaguars game? I'm really just looking forward to. You know, how these two teams bounce back off of a loss. Um, I'm interested to see, yeah, just really how these two teams bounce off of a, off of a, uh, a loss. Because uh, this is this is division. So, this is a division matchup, as, like, everybody knows. So, like, they're closer. And, um, you know, really, it's, you know, put up or shut up in terms of the division race. Because you know the Colts, man, if they win this week, they're 3-1. and one. And then you're looking at your team like, you know, if you're the Falcons, we should probably win this game. You know, if you're the Jags, when you lose this game, you're going to be 1-3. and three. I'm not saying that's awful, because like you said, Spence, they started 3-7 and seven last year. But, you know, if a couple of those other teams get, get hot in a hurry... It could be it could be game over for the Jags before before we get to halfway through the season, and so that's why I think this game is more crucial than people think, um, and could have some ramifications that um, could rear its ugly head back at you down the road. Um, you know, we look back at this week four matchup and like, hey, that would have been a good win for this team from what we know now, uh, and so. And yeah, and really, you know, I think from, like, the Falcons' perspective, like, try to, like, run the ball. I know running the ball is, like, my favorite thing to do. It's amazing. I mean, I really enjoy it. Um, and with the, 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 you know, the Jags as well. Um, last week, not ideal. But also, there were some good things to take away from it. Uh, and so I think just building on those good things week to week, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, we'll see how this goes. All right. Christian, what are you looking forward to with the Jaguars and the Falcons doing battle in London at 930 Eastern time? Uh, can Jacksonville bounce back after uh, the embarrassment of the Houston Texans? Look, Jacksonville, you know, we all talked about it. We have them favored to win the AFC South. And, you know, they are – you know, one less Anthony Richardson interception away from actually being 0-3. You know, Kansas City is Kansas City. They're a different beast. 
even though they little they're a little bit hungover, uh, like the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. And this team has just not performed offensively. Um, can Jacksonville go home? Because London has always been like you know home for Jacksonville, where they get a lot of their wins uh, when the organization was struggling. You know, so they can can they bounce back? And also Atlanta. Um, you know, two and one, it, you know, it's not bad. Yes, they beat the Panthers. Close game against um, the pa- – you know, they won against the Packers in a close game. They got whooped in Detroit, which if one if one plus two equals three, then Detroit and Green Bay, not going to be a fun game. But can B. John Robinson bounce back? Can Desmond Ritter, you know, be that okay, mediocre quarterback that they need them to be? in order for them to possibly win, you know, win in Europe. All right. Predictions time for this game. I'll lead off. Um, give me the Falcons. Not either. Yes, you know, the fact that the fans didn't really care. I know people travel for the international game because it's there, but I think B. John – I'm going to put here look at his first career rushing touchdown this weekend against that Again, I'm not even saying they match up well. The Falcons team being 3-1 and one would not be something that I necessarily uh, – but I think they'll losing Detroit last week. Uh, give me – Dawn, how do you see Falcons and Jags going down? I'm going to take the Falcons as well. Um, and – and uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take the Falcons this week, and because this is this is this is a key game for them. Um, of course, it's a key game for the Jags as well. But Falcons have potential to take the division lead after this week, uh, and I see them doing it. All right. Christian, how do you see Falcons and Jaguars going down? I got Jacksonville winning this game. Look, I think Atlanta is a very good team. Uh, and I think their offense with Bijan, you know, on fire can be unstoppable. Uh, I think Jacksonville and Frank Reich, they're going to get Trevor Lawrence to calm down a little bit in London. They've done this game before. Um, they they know the drill. So I really think – and by the way, I think I said Frank Reich, which is not – uh, it's Doug Peterson, but I think Jacksonville is going to get Trevor to calm down and really get, you know, really get going offensively. This team has good weapons with Calvin Ridley, former Falcon. Uh, and I think they're going to find a way to get it done in their second home in London. All right. The, the worst game again, if you watch Patriots jets, like I said earlier, that might be the worst game ever played. This game might rival this. Like, there's a chance we get negative points score this game. So they will somehow find a way to grant teams negative points in this game. It's the Broncos and the Bears. To show you how bad these teams are, again, Chicago played Kansas City last week, which you knew was probably going to be a loss. Uh, they lost by 31. And the Do- Broncos played Miami, lost by 50. Like, these are two teams coming, after, coming off 30-plus point blowout loss. Somehow, and again, I'm not even saying it's the wrong thing to do here. Like, I think I kind of agree with this, where the line is set here. Uh, 
expert at all. But Denver's a three to half point favorite over Chicago in Chicago at Soldier Field. Just one week after getting blown out by 50 points, they are somehow the favorite. This game is it's going to be the worst game ever played. Russell Wilson, uh, you know, has been quarterback apparently at this point, and Justin Fields, who, you know, they both look the same. If you watch the field, like, no, you can't tell the difference between those two. They both play the same style, whereas, like, take off and run, and, like, Russell's, like, 10 years older. Uh, it, it's going to be a very ugly game. Like, I might watch if it's available uh, locally. I have no clue what the game is locally here yet. Um, or I might have, like, red zone on and, like, try to find this. Uh, because this game, I, I don't know, like, what, where to begin here, like, guys. Like, this is going to be potentially one of the worst football games I've ever played. Like, if, this game is also very fitting. If you told me next week it's a 0-0 tie, it's 100% believable. Like, this game could do that. That's how bad these offenses are. But the defenses also aren't much better. Like, I don't know what to make. Like, it's going to be an awful game. I don't know. Don't anything else, like, how awful this Bears are going to be? This game is going to be awful. It's going to be completely ridiculous. And when I saw that we were picking this game, I was like, I was thinking, dude, you've got to be kidding me. I love y'all, but... We went, we we stooped to an all-time low when we were going to pick these two teams. Like guys, this is going to be this is going to be a ridiculous game. This is going to be ridiculous. Uh, I think as a group, we we should not have picked this game. But if we're if we're, if we're really going to do it, I'm with you guys. That being said, I I really just hope it ends in a tie. All right, that's 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 literally it. I I just I just hope it ends in a tie. All right, Christian, because uh, again, we talked, we wanted to do, you know, if, it, if it's going to be a winless game or undefeated, want to do is there something at stake here. Christian, take it away. Like, what else do you have to add to this game? Maybe the worst football game. Of- huh. Um, man, if I can just put the poop emoji on this game, um, <laughs> like on both of these logos, I think it will be very fitting. Um. This is awful. And I thought Chicago was a playoff team. And my God, am I already wrong in week three? Um, now, again, you know, 14 weeks, a lot can happen. Chicago may go on this 14-3 run, uh, win the NFC North and surprise us all. Uh, doubt that. Uh, Denver, I've ranted about the head coach and how the quarterback is going to do his own thing. Uh, he's going to probably arrive uh, in the huddle by himself uh, prepping for this game. So uh, I actually did look up these games, and this is, I think, the 1 o'clock window, I believe this is. Yes, it um, is. Okay, so thank God we're not going to watch this. Um, I'd, I'd much rather t- watch any other game. Uh, you can put, you know, any – honestly – if you can put, I don't know if there's a college in Chicago, maybe Loyola. Uh, you can put, you can move their game to Sunday, and I guarantee uh, Chicago fans are going to watch that game more. Uh, this is going to be embarrassing. This is going to be awful. Um, I have not much to say. I, I don't want the team to do the tie. I don't like ties. Um, I just think, I don't know, they kind of drag and like, oh, the tiebreaker and all this stuff like. 
come on, you got to have a winner. You got to have a loser. I don't want participation trophies. Someone score three dagging points and the other team scored nothing. I, I don't know. I'm going to have a predicted winner in this, but my goodness, this is awful. North is in Evanston, which is just outside Chicago. I, uh, I am not watching Northwestern. That's even Northwestern worse. Ooh. And that's even worse. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know. like that whole area. They had a comeback win against Minnesota. It's not. It's not that big. But I'm just saying. Like Miami, the U is, for lack of a better word, they're undefeated right now, and the Dolphins are undefeated. And then you got. Uh, but nonetheless, it is time to predict this awful game. The next matchup is not completely awful. Uh, it is, but. Go back and forth, like Broncos Bears. I don't feel confident in either pick. Like, there's no no gambler. Stay away from this game. Like that, maybe not the smartest pick here um, at all. Like, do there's a confidence pick. Unless you have to, um, Spence. Come on now, you can do it. I, I'm getting there, but give me the Broncos. Like, I cannot pick Chicago. Like, I thought I believed in them before the year. I can't pick Chicago anymore. Like it's it's bad. Chicago is bad. Um, if the, if the Bears didn't have a Christmas season, Matt Eberflus might fire me. He might be the worst, actually. He might break the trend that the McCaskies have had all these years. Eberflus could be the first one. Like that's how bad this season's gone for Chicago, Denver. I mean, I'm not feeling confident at all in that. Don, I know you were maybe more confident. And who do you have, Wayne? Broncos and Bears. Yeah, uh, dude, you and I are weirdly the same so far. Uh, I'm going to go with the Broncos, too. And it's the fact that I just do not. Look, I, I, I completely whiffed. I picked the – did I pick the Bears to make the playoffs? I think Holy you picked the Bears crap. to win the entire division. No, I didn't. I picked Detroit to win the entire division. I didn't even pick the Bears to make the playoffs. Okay, Look, I don't give a I don't give a rat's butt about the Bears at this point. Look, they could go zero and sixteen, and I will be living life to the fullest. 17. So, or excuse me, zero and seventeen. Okay, sorry. You know what? You know what? It has been a long day, but thank you for the correction. Um, I'm gonna take the Broncos, and it's just because of my absolute zero faith uh, in the. Chicago Bears. All right. Christian, how do you see the potential worst game of the football season going? Oh, my gosh. Honestly, <laughs> what what kind of went on in the back of my mind is like, should I even ask them not to count this because it's going to be so damn bad? Uh, but this is going to be a pick. We got to count it. You know, this is one of our five. Oh, my God. I just ripped the damn team the entire <laughs> – sorry for cursing. I ripped the entire team and the coaching staff for 15, 20 minutes. I got to go Broncos. Like, I – like, the Bears, it's it, seriously – I get I get texts from Packers fans still saying, why the hell did you even choose the Packers to win this game, you absolute idiot, you mark of Chicago and all the – man, I seriously bought into the Justin Fields hype. I bought into the Darnell Wright hype. I bought onto the Ebert Flusen Nesson hype of the century, thinking Chicago was going to make the playoffs, thinking Chicago, the Bears, the Bears are back. Oh, my gosh. I still get ripped to this day. I want the Broncos to 
you know, put a freaking stomp in on this. Charge for your one in sixteen season, Broncos. You you deserve it. You deserve it. Go one in sixteen, and the Seahawks get the second overall pick because you trade it for Russ. Let Russ cook or microwave. That's what is better. But let Russ microwave this terrible freaking game. Honestly, it's going to be so bad. It's great. Go Broncos. Go. <laughs> Broncos country. Broncos country. <laughs> That's right, baby. Broncos country. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And we're going to also ride down to Charlotte, North Carolina, where a surprise to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, again, we had talked about how Minnesota's probably going to regress a bit to the meme. I mean, after, you know, last year, they were a team that they won a lot of one-score games. This year, it's the opposite. They've 0-3 with three one-score games. Uh, and you're taking on Carolina, a team that I thought could be a playoff team. But Bryce Young gets injured early. It's going to be Andy Dalton at quarterback, who looked pretty good last week. So they still lost the game, but he looked good. Uh, and again, I, I, This could be a bounce-back game for Kirk Cousins. But like I said earlier in the show, this could also be a game, if you're, if you're Minnesota and you lose this game, like how soon do you just become stellar? Uh, you're not going to get rid of Jefferson at all. Like You should not get rid of him. But Kirk Cousins, getting old. Like Why not trade him away to a team that might be deemed a QB away that can kind of fit that salary into their cap space and potentially be a playoff team? Like if Kirk Cousins is the guy versus, uh, you know, a guy like you know, <laughs> Zach Wilson. Uh, if they can make that work, that would be something. Uh, but nonetheless, this game, I feel like it's going to be a lot better showing of an NFL product then the aforementioned Bears and Broncos game um, will be. It's the same Bryce Young's injured. I mean, oh, he is, you know, practicing a bit to where he may come. I'm going to go operate the assumption it's Andy Dalton at the helm and not Bryce Young for this week here. Um, that is just how I'm operating. Again, it's going to be a should be a very fun game, and maybe we'll see some Cam Akers uh, who was traded to Minnesota last week. Dalton. Your thoughts on the other 0-3 and 0-3 game, Minnesota-Carolina. This is a – I mean, Spence, Christian, this is another one of those games where I just look at it and I just shake my head. Like, it's just – I don't really care what goes down. The Minnesota Vikings have screwed me over. For the past two weeks. And so right now. No love is lost. Excuse me. I have no love. For either of these teams. And could not give. Anything. You know. I don't even care who wins this game. And just like the other 0-3. They could tie. And I would still be living my life. Just like I was before they played the football game. I uh, look it. I know this is completely, completely elementary. But whoever gains more yards and whoever doesn't turn the football over is going to win this game. Like that's it, and scores more points. I just, I just, uh, I, I. I can't rely on Kirk Cousins to take care of the football. 
And the Panthers, look, they have an offensive coach, but I think we can tell at this point that an offensive coach doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win every football game. So this is a, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking for a team who wins this game. I'm looking for the winning team to not commit any turnovers and put points up on the board. That's what I'm looking for. All right. Forward to Minnesota, Carolina. Uh, can Minnesota – like, is Minnesota going to be one of the greatest offenses in the world and have uh, greatest offense in the NFL and be 0-17? It's going to be questionable. Um, look, Carolina, they haven't re- looked real competitive in these last couple of games. One second. <coughs> Excuse me. Um my dog reacted to my sneezing. That's funny. That's cool. uh, so anyway, bless you, bro. I know, I know. Thank you. Uh, so anyway, um, anyway, Carolina tried to compete a little bit against Seattle, but they're just not there yet. Um, I really thought this team could be a NFC South contender. Uh, right now, they are a pretender, um, and you know which which team can honestly focus more. On not turning over the football, ha- having these miscommunications, whether it's the you know they want to you want to blame the fans for your miscommunications, or you want to blame the uh, nutritionist, you want to blame the cameraman, you want to blame the um, the announcers for your game, whatever you want to do besides the, yourselves, that's hundred percent on you. Um, but who's gonna have the little miss? Who's gonna have? the least amount of miscues and miscommunication because that's what most of these uh, games have been for both sides is they're not on the same page. Minnesota's offense is very good. They just cannot turn it over in key situations. Carolina, they're still a young team trying to figure it out, so we'll see what happens. All right, on to prediction time for Vikings and Panthers. And I also need to make a note here. Uh, the Panthers – like, a, like, particularly with the Broncos, they don't own their first-round pick. Neither the, the Panthers trade up to draft Bryce Young. They trade their pick to Chicago. So, in this scenario where the Broncos and Vikings win, Chicago will own the top draft, which is an honor we thought the Cardinals might have the Texans pick. Uh, but both those teams currently have a win. Again, early, a lot will change uh, going forward. But give me the Vikings to bounce back and get a win. They were close last week. It just came down to, you know, faulty, you know, interception versus, and also clock management issues at the end for the Vikings. But give me the Vikings, which would mean Chicago would own the top two picks uh, in the upcoming draft. And maybe they take Caleb and Marvin Harris. Projection would be right now. Uh, if that happens, a little bit looking way too far ahead. Uh, but again, back to this Sunday, I think the Vikings will be the Panthers. Dalton, how do you see Vikings-Panthers coming? Very, very, very uninterested. But, Spence, who did you go with? Vikings. You did? Interesting, interesting. Um, You and I are one and the same so far, but I'm going to try to go different here and uh, see if I can get myself back on track in terms of the prediction standings. Because that's my ulterior motive um, in this in this whole thing. So 
I'm going to go with the Panthers, but I'm sure as heck not happy about it. So. <laughs> All right. Christian, break the tie. How do you see Vikings-Panthers going down? Uh, Minnesota. Their offense, you know, despite all of the uh, madness that their team has gone through, their offense is still overpowered. They still have one of the best wide receivers and a very young, very good up-and-coming wide receiver with uh, J.J. and J.A. So uh, I really think they have, you know, a okay quarterback in Kirk Cousins if he's not, you know, fumbling the snap every single – every other drive. So I got Minnesota to win this game. Uh, Carolina, they're just not there yet. So I got Minnesota. All right. So we have done three games that we think might be some very boring games. This one, I think we could all breathe a sigh of release. Us, you guys there taking the time. Um, Dolphins and Bills. Let's give people a treat here. As AFC battle, and this should not be like the last AFC East battle that we saw last week. Patriots, Jets, don't need to relive that again. Uh, but Dolphins and Bills, both teams, uh, high expectations here. You got Tua, who, you know, through three weeks, playing like he might be the MVP of the league. He has the best odds on uh, various uh, betting sites for MVP. It's Tua Tungavaloa. Josh Allen trying to prove that he, you know, the division still runs through him despite having a, a shaky first few weeks. Uh, they're at 2-1 with their one loss being a two-division foe, New York. Uh, but the Jets, I mean, the Dolphins, yeah, they put up 70. Like, what else can we say about this? Devin Achan, who was kind of unheard of, just came out of nowhere last week because he was playing the fourth quarter uh, when the backers were playing there. Um Tyreek Hill continues to be amazing. He might be the offensive player of the year. Uh, through three weeks, it's a safe bet that he's probably the favorite to win that award. But, again, Buffalo can score with anyone. The other, they got Diggs. They still got uh, they got James Cook. Uh, they got some talent there. Like, they're not going to be a pushover team. And they've dominated the division the last few years. Like, this could be a game where if you're Miami and you can take a game, especially in Orchard Park, the home of the Bills, like, if you can go into Highmark Stadium on Sunday, you can get a win. First of all, that makes you 4-0. With a win over Buffalo, who's probably the stiffest competition for the division right now. Like, that could – I'm not going to say it's changing the guard. Like, I think Buffalo long-term with Allen. Like, that's – but a healthy Tua is a very scary proposition to where, like, Miami – you're not just thinking about the division if you're Miami. Um, you're thinking potentially AFC 1. Super Bowl, that's on your discussion. If you're if you're a Dolphins fan, and you can ask some of the discussion you can have within yourself is is Miami legit? Like, can they go far uh, this year? Because this team teams kind of nowhere. Like the Bengals team a couple years ago, like I mentioned, came out of nowhere to make the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow, like that's what is on the table here with Miami. If you can go to prove it for them, I know we got a long way to go, but that's some internal discussion you can have with the Dolphins. On like you know, on podcast, sports like radio, etc. Here, uh, but don't it's the East matchup here. Um, really, just two, just two uh, division foes going at it, man. I mean, this is uh, this is about. I mean, you said just about as good as you can get. Um, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna see this week. 
You know, we're going to see, you know, is Buffalo that team or is, uh, is uh, the Dolphins that team? You know, is, um, is Tua taking off? Or, you know, was the first three games just a, just a I'm not going to say fluke, but like based off competition? You know, was it? It's like the same old, same old, same old, same old. Or, uh, or they've actually taken that next step up. Um, if I'm not mistaken, this is in Buffalo, right? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you're on the road. Um, last year, what didn't they play them in the playoffs? They did. Yeah. And can you refresh my memory on who won that football game? Buffalo did, but didn't Skylar Thompson play that game and have to? Was it close? It was a. They had a chance to win late. I think, I think if you're Mike McDaniel and you go back to that last that that get that playoff game last year, which was the most recent matchup that you've had with this team. I mean, you got to be feeling pretty good, pretty good about yourself that you actually are more healthy now than you were in that game. And so, I feel like Miami has a has a bigger, has a better confidence going into this game, even though it's not in Miami, but rather in Buffalo. All right, Christian, your thoughts on the uh, Dolphins Bills game this uh, Sunday? Uh, I think it's going to be quite interesting to see how Josh Allen plays. Uh, Josh Allen in New York against a team that we thought uh, was going to be very competitive. Uh, He wants to turn over three times. He's got to be the guy if not everything is working out for him. Um, So that's really my question for Buffalo. Miami, can they keep this up? They've had tough games against New England. and, you know, when you play a real stout defense like New England, you're still better than most, but it's not going to be an easy game. This isn't going to be a team I don't think is going to blow Buffalo out, blow Buffalo out by 70. I highly doubt that. But I do think Miami is a lot hotter team right now taking on this competition than Buffalo. They beat up the Raiders and the Commanders who, I mean, we don't really have those you know, super high expectations for. So it's going to be quite interesting to see how these two teams match up. And will Josh Allen be the quarterback that is just going to be a game manager or does he want to, does he want to play Superman in Buffalo? All right. So on to the predictions for Dolphins bills. And I mean, Dolphin brought up a good point last year in the playoffs, these two teams played, it was Skylar Thompson, and they did. It was a very close game. Uh, the final score being 34 31. Again, I, I thought Buffalo was going to blow them out easily. Like, yeah, they split the regular season last year, both teams winning at home, and they were close games. Uh, but I get you got Skylar Thompson's seventh round rookie starting a playoff game. And it wasn't like Brock Purdy, where he started a lot of regular season games and looked good in that. Skylar did not. Uh, but nonetheless, give me the Dolphins. I think we're going to see. Again, like not necessarily complete changing of the guard, um, but give me a Dolphins team that if they, I'm not gonna say they're gonna put 70 up, I don't think they will. 
But a Dolphins team that will improve to 4-0 with this victory. And they have, like I mentioned, this you got to get week by week if you're the team. Um, but to go into Buffalo and come out with a win like I think they can do, building it's going to build so much confidence. Because the next game after that is the Giants, then the Panthers, a couple easy games. And then you get, you get if you're Miami, you get Philadelphia on the road. That's a Sunday night football game. And then you get New England again. And, I mean, based off of last week, you may, you may own New England um, if you get them again. Like, in a few, it's a month away. But the schedule sets up really nice for Miami. That Mike McDaniel and company, I think they're going to get the dub on the road uh, and kind of prove that this is, like, their quote-unquote arrival game uh, to the National Football League, like, big scale. Dalton, how do you see and Bills going down? I'm going to take the Dolphins as well. And you guys, excuse me, you guys know I've basically been preaching on this podcast for the past year and a half. Maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit yet, less, maybe like a year, about the Bills and the Buffalo Bills and the way they do business on the field and off the field um, in terms of. You know, their game plan, time management, the whole shebang. And so it's yeah, I'm still I'm still gonna roll with the Dolphins here. I feel like they have got a I'm not gonna say that they're in better position, but they've I guess proven up to this point, like in this season so far that hey, we're not messing around. We're in sync. Second year together, McDaniel, the offense, Tua, the whole thing. Second year together, that we're in sync and we're coming for your head. And so, I'm gonna pick Miami, but I don't, I don't think it's gonna be like one of these like blowout games. I think it's gonna be your typical division, division win. All right, Christian, how do you see Dolphins and Bills going down? Man, I've been bouncing back on this. Um, about I because I was thinking about this on my way home, and I'm thinking, okay, I think Miami because of what they've done, but Buffalo seems in more control. Well, Miami's doing really good. Well, Buffalo, like you guys, we all bring up great points. I'm gonna flip again. I'm gonna say Dolphins as well. Look, I, I really like Josh Allen. He's a tremendous quarterback. I, I can't trust him. And we talk, I, talk, I think I talked about this when they played the Jets. He's now become a quarterback who's very talented, but you can't trust him in these tight situations. So I, I really like what Mike McDaniels is doing. His sarcastic comments in, the, in postgame and in interviews, I, I love it. It's the funniest thing in the world. Uh, he, he's a funny coach, and he knows what he's doing. Um you know, he's a, he's a real coach that has really made Miami going to be competitive. And, I mean, crap, they almost won in the playoffs in Orchard Park against Buffalo as seven seed with, I think, Skylar Thompson was the starting quarterback. So, with Tua being healthy, Tyreek on his mission, and the entire team after, it's not much of a confidence boost, but they scored 70 freaking points. They were in the huddle talking about their touchdown celebrations more than the actual punt. They're legit. I think Miami is going to upset Buffalo. Uh, and like Dolan mentioned, I think it's going to be your typical division battle. 
where it's going to be a one-possession game. I don't think it'll be a 70-20 massacre like we saw last week. So, I got Dolphins. All right. Next up, our final game. All these games we chose to be early games. Another 1 o'clock game. Another division game. The Commanders and the Eagles. A game where last year, if you don't remember, the road team games. Not only that, but they played in week three last year. It was 24-8 Eagles winning. Week 10 they play the undefeated Eagles coming home. You know, they hosting uh, the Commanders. The Commanders come in to their stadium and they win 32-21. The road team won both games last year. Commanders uh, handing the Eagles their first loss. I think they're the uh, 2020, the Steelers, their first loss was to the Washington. Uh, that was in the football team year. But the road team won both games last year. Um, this game played at the link. It's early. You got Sam Howell, like we mentioned last, earlier, four interceptions last week. Uh, Hurts not looking like the best. He, he's, he's a fine player. Like three touches, three interceptions. It's too early. DeAndre Swift, uh, no looking to Taylor Swift. To my knowledge, he's been fantastic in the backfield. And, again, if you're Philly, you got two of the best receivers in A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith here. Um, and, again, Washington, like, you got Brian Robinson, who's, a, I think, a very good running back. Curtis Samuel, good receiver. Um, and division games, you just never know how they're going to go. Like, they go one or two. Like, you just never know because these teams, they know each other so well. Like I mentioned, last year, Washington went into the link and Rivera beat the Eagles. Like, a team that was, at the time, defeated. And a team that would play for the Super Bowl at the end of the year. Like, this team, uh, they know each other really well. Like, it's not going to be, like, you can maybe scoff and say, like, oh, this team's going to be, it's going to be a blowout. Uh, don't, don't count it on that. Like, it be, do not be surprised if this game is a close game. Uh, just because that's how division games tend to go. Like, you rarely see a blowout. Even though Washington, their 2-1 record's pretty deceptive because they have not really looked the part. Of a uh, team that you would think is two and one, um, and again, Phillies play fantastic. Like they're not a bad team at all. Uh, they they're more than deserving of three. No, this game I think should be a lot closer than people think. Uh, Dahl, anything you want to add on the Commanders and the Eagles? Not really. I mean, I just hope that the Commanders are ready to stop the run. Like that's the Eagles have made it very evident for the past three weeks that they will win football games by solely running the football. They do not care. Whichever thing, whichever way to score that you take away, that you shut down, whether it's the pass or the run, they're going to do the opposite and they're going to beat you. So it's kind of pick your poison. And so that's the one thing for the commanders that I'm just like, uh, you're going to have to figure that out. You're going to have to say, like, Philly, we're going to make – Either DeAndre Swift and that offensive line beat us, or we're going to make that offensive line and Jalen Hurts beat beat us uh, and those wide receivers. So, and for the Eagles, defensively, defensively, despite the early sort of, I guess, like secondary issues and like just them not having healthy guys, are they going to be able to do in a division matchup shut down, maybe not completely, 
but show in a division game like you might have Johan Dodson and Terry McLaurin. And Eric Bianami might be dialing it up. But regardless, we're still Philly and we still own this division and we're gonna we're gonna shut it down defensively and you guys are gonna kinda be kinda be like you you were facing Buffalo last week and get a little measly three points at the very end of the ballgame. All right. Christian, what are you looking forward to when the Commanders and the Eagles do battle on Sunday? Um, are the Eagles still hungover? Look, they, they've looked impressive, and they've won these closer games than we think. Uh, tough in New England. Minnesota almost had a comeback. And uh, Tampa Bay, who, I mean, I, I acknowledge, like, Baker Mayfield, you know, was my player of the week. And Philadelphia – in this Jalen Hurts flu game, still looked fine. Um, can Philadelphia really try to shake the cobwebs off and play a division opponent that a lot of teams have high hopes on? Yes, they're 2-1, and one, and they had an embarrassing showing against Buffalo, but really what their team is is if their defense can hold on just a little bit, their offense is going to get a, you know keep it going. Uh, the offense is in a panic mode. It's not going to happen. So this defense of Washington, it's a fine defense. They they play the Cardinals and Broncos, not the best of talents here. But they if they hold off just a little bit from Philadelphia, they can possibly get some momentum on offense. So how will Sam Howell, he had a, he had a horrific, horrific showing against Buffalo you know, we all know he's not the guy, but he's the placeholder for now. Can he, you know, take on Philadelphia and somehow cause an upset to shock the entire NFL world? All right. So on to our picks for this game. And like I mentioned, division games, they're a lot closer than you think. And don't be surprised like, if they split the season series. Um, another thing to note, Washington's offensive coordinator is Eric Bieniemy. He he coached against the Eagles in the Super. And again, I know he had Patrick Mahomes. How he I know Sam Howell's not Patrick Mahomes. Not stupid, uh, at least when it comes to football. But some of this just tell me that how that going to try to conjure up some game plan to attack that Philadelphia defense, one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. You know they gave Mac Jones fits again. Baker Mayfield fits, Kirk Cousins fits. They're gonna give Sam Howell fits, but I think he's they're gonna scheme something to get out at, out there and win this game. Um, again, I think it'll be a closer game, but set here. Give me the Commanders, and if I look foolish, I look full foolish, and I'm losing this game. Uh, which again, most of my picks this season have been poor, so it's not like that's out of left field for me to do this. Um, but I'm a believer in the Commanders. I have to win the division. Um, I'm slightly less confident in that pick now, but give me this win over the Eagles on Sunday. Dalton, how do you see Commanders Eagles going down? I'm going to take the Eagles, and uh, again, it's kind of like the Vikings, where you know we we cover them for the past couple weeks, and I just get absolutely they show me how stupid I am. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna the third time the charm. I'm gonna. You know, learn from the first couple mistakes and uh, take the Eagles to win. 
All right. Christian, how do you see this game going down? Man, uh, it's a little tougher, but I'm confident with Philadelphia. I don't think Washington is going to bounce back from this, you know, right away. This is Philadelphia who knows Washington, who knows how these guys are. And I don't think Sam Howell is going to have a bounce back game where he's throwing four interceptions and he's going to throw four touchdowns. I just don't see it. I think Philadelphia in their drunken state still is going to somehow win this game. They're the least impressive 3-0 team, but they win so dominantly and they show they're playing at a C, B plus, you know, C plus to B, B plus level, and they're still winning these games by a bit. So I got I got Philadelphia still to win these game to win this game and to be the odds on favorite to be winning this division and you know succeeding for the next couple weeks. All right. Thank you. So that's been our week four pre hope you enjoyed that. Uh, a couple quick segments here. Dalton, what's going on in the world? Thank you, Spence. Um, really, what's been going on in the world of racing is we're still in the playoffs for NASCAR. Uh, and then we've been, I guess, for the most part, just trying to, you know, keep up the best we can with Formula One, even though it's incredibly incredibly predictable um so i mean look i I think with formula one you know there's only so much we can do uh they had the um lenovo japanese grand prix uh on september 24th uh in which max verstappen won that race not shocked uh october october 8th is going to be uh, the Qatar Grand Prix um, on ESPN2 at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, on, and that's an Eastern time. And that's an Eastern time. Um, let me see. And then we get to – let's go ahead and go to NASCAR because, uh, again, like Max Verstappen's leading all racers. So there's not really anything that I've got to say with that. Um, Will Byron advances the round of eight in the NASCAR playoffs. Um, Kyle Busch has sold his truck series team to Spire Motorsports. Um, this happened on Wednesday, which was today. Um, in addition uh, to Kyle's Busch Motorsports, according to ESPN, Busch also sold the assets of Rowdy Manufacturing and his team's 77,000 square foot facility in Mooresville, North Carolina. Um, So really when I look at, when I think about this, um, he's getting to the point, uh, it's it's just like almost his time. His brother is already retired due to some injury concerns, uh, and that's Kurt Busch. Um, Kyle is getting up there at age, he's going to be 30s, mid to late 30s. He's got a kid, obviously, and the kids in racing. Uh, and so I imagine he wants to be with his kid for a little bit. Uh, and, you know, like any time that you have a chance to make some business moves like this, I think if it's 
the right time, then you have to make that move. Um, you know, he says, and uh, you know, according to ESPN, I quote, uh, Kyle Bush says, I'm at a different point in my life now than I was back in 2010. My family has grown. My Cup Series team changed this year, and our son's racing schedule has become as demanding as my own. Bush added, it'll be hard to walk away from my amazing facility that we've built. Uh, I'll, I'll miss walking uh, the shop floor, talking with our employees, hosting our fan days in the lobby, and spending countless hours there ensuring its success. However, I know at this point in my life and in my career, this is the correct decision. So, yeah, I mean – Sometimes you got to make business decisions like that, and you know you, you really you really can't even fault the guy uh, for making that kind of decision. We're gonna go to the Cup Series results because, uh, like I said, we're in the playoffs still. Um, and this past Cup Series uh, was at Texas, like I said last pod, um, at Texas in Dallas uh, at the Texas Motor Speedway, uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area. And so that was a yes for worth. Um, and so William Byron was able to win that race uh, for the Chevrolets. The Watermelon Man, Ross Chastain, came in second. Uh, Bubba Wallace for Toyota, uh, and specifically Michael Jordan, uh, who owns 23, um, 23.6 racing. Um, so he uh, finished in third, Christopher Bell in fourth, Denny Hamlin in fifth. Uh, so if you notice, three Toyotas, two Chevrolets in the top five. Other notables, Kevin Harvick in his last season as a NASCAR Cup Series driver finished in sixth. Um, let's see, Chase Elliott coming back from injury. Um, been back for a while, but he finished in 11th, still in the top 15. Um, let's see, other notables, uh, uh, last year's champ, uh, that's not going to repeat this year, Joey Logano finished in 21st, and then that is, and for that one, we're going to go to the standings so we can see who's left in the playoffs, because uh, now we're getting to the round of eight. Uh, and so we've got, let's see, let me go with the schedule. Okay. Uh, we've got Talladega coming up, uh, Talladega Super Speedway at, uh, uh at two o'clock Eastern on uh, October 1st, um, on NBC and this you know, it's getting down to the wire. Um, let me just do, 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 go back to the standings so that way I can update you guys on that. So, Will Byron is leading all drivers in standings. Um, and then followed by Denny Hamlin, Chris Boucher. Uh, Christopher Bell, Martin Truex Jr., Ross Chastain, Brad Keselowski, um, Kyle Larson, eighth, Bob Wallace, ninth, Tyler Reddick, um, and tenth, uh, Ryan Blaney, and eleventh, Kyle Busch, and twelfth. 
Um, and so, yeah, between 8 and 12, we're getting close to the end, man. I mean, this is close to the end of the to the end of the season. After Talladega, they've got a road course in Charlotte, and then you go to Vegas, Miami, Martinsville, and then end the season on November 5th in Phoenix. And so pretty much the entire month of October and then the first weekend and in um, November for these guys. So, you know, hey, man, it's it's coming up upon us and uh, be interested to see how this goes. Um, I mean, if you've, you're looking at the races, you've got to like how Chevy and Toyota have done so far. Uh, really been able to make some noise in terms of how they've been racing thus far. Um, and so one of those, you know, if you if you had to make a prediction, one of those uh, truck drivers, excuse me, not truck drivers, but race car drivers representing those makes uh, would be able to finish considerably in the top five um, for this upcoming race in Talladega. All right, thank you, Dalton, for that. And I'm going to briefly touch on it real quick before we wrap the show up. Uh, the WNBA playoffs, they started last week and, you know, lost in all the shuffle with our uh, with everything going on. I just somehow forgot to add that to our schedule, so we just didn't talk about it last week. First round was going on. You had all okay, – the best of three first round, Vegas the defending champions – Handle business with Chicago. They won that 2-0. The Wings handled business with Atlanta. Won that series 2-0. Liberty handled business with the Mystics. Won that series 2-0. The Sun, it got interesting because they won game one, lost game two. And the way the first round stuff in the WNBA is a 2-1 format where the first two games is played at the better team and then a game three do or die is at the lower-seeded team. So Minnesota was hosting Connecticut in a do or die game three. But Connecticut prevailed. So then you have the top four seeds advancing. It's a best of five now. Semifinals. Uh, the next games will be played on Friday. The Liberty and the Sun. Liberty led by Brianna Stewart, who was just named the MVP of the regular season. They also have John Quell Jones, former Connecticut Sun, who was the MVP a couple years ago. And the Connecticut Sun, they're led by Alyssa Thomas, who is a um, triple-double queen. Kind of, I mean... In a way, similar to like Russell Westbrook, where they're putting up triple-doubles, but hers actually means something. It's more of a winning triple-double than staff adding triple-double. Um, but the Sun took game one in stunning fashion in that series. Liberty bounced back and took game two. Series now shifts to Connecticut. It's tied at one apiece. Very fascinating there. The Aces and the Wings, that series, the Aces, like I said, defending champion. Uh, Chelsea Gray, MVP of the finals last year. Asia Wilson, who could have been MVP this year. It was a very tight race there. Um, and, you know, Candace Parker's there now, um, led by Becky Hammond, who was a Spurs assistant for all these years, who won a W title a year ago with the Aces. Uh, looking to repeat, they're up two games to none on the wings. The series does shift to Dallas, uh, but Dallas kind of getting a miracle uh, by Sabali or others to force, just keep the series going. Because if you can take one game at a time, you can slowly be sure, like maybe you can force back to Game Five, back to Vegas. Um, bet the Aces are looking to handle business. Only lost six times all regular season. Liberty only lost eight times. Like that's the series people thought is going to be Aces and Liberty. 
Today could be a little interesting, at least right now. We'll know more Friday night when we see who emerges of those games there. Kenny Aces advance to the finals for the second straight year. And Connecticut, here goes. So we could maybe get a finals rematch or a Liberty team that's, you know, coming out of, not out of nowhere. Like, they, again, they stacked this roster and moves to become a very good team. But the NBA minute or so on the playoffs. Next week going to be a very fun uh, game. final um, throughout the rest of the time. Um Real quick before we wrap up, I mean, as we mentioned last week, Dalton, he's got his other podcast, The Bluegrass Burnouts. Check that out. Christian, the floor is yours. I know you were just recently on our buddy Ryan's podcast. Uh, tell the viewers what they can expect when they listen to that episode. Um, expect deep conversation. Um, myself and Ryan, we, we were talking about a lot of different stuff, um, kind of like what's going on with me, about to graduate college, uh, just the – you know, intricacies of what we've been doing. Uh, not a ton of Marvel uh, DC content, um, just because a lot of movies have been kind of stagnant. Uh, the most recent one was Blue Beetle back in, I think it was like early, mid-August. Uh, so we haven't, you know, not a lot of stuff's coming out. Uh, Loki is coming out soon, next Thursday on the 5th. That's going to be really exciting, but you know, Ryan's happy hour. We just kind of caught up with everything and just look forward to, you know, some of the good movies and shows coming up. All right. So, yeah, go check it out, Ryan. Good friend of ours from our childhood. He's doing great work there. Uh, and again, you, it's always a very uh, great discussion with Ryan. Can't wait. Hopefully, you guys, after you're done listening to this, you can go queue up that podcast and listen into that discussion there with Ryan and Christian. Um, as always, if you listen to this far in this podcast, feel free to subscribe to us wherever you listen to this podcast. Feedback's always encouraged. Uh, you know how to reach us. If you don't, uh, you can find us on, you know, just kind of on Spotify or Apple or something. We'll see it. Um, share with friends and family helps us grow the podcast, keeps it, you know, growing. Cause we do, we, yeah, we think we do good work. We want others to enjoy, um, you know, this podcast that we put together every single week to do the best we can. Uh, but thanks again for listening to another episode of Out of Bounce. I am Spencer Brown. I am Dalton Bishop. And I'm Christian Nurse. So again, thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day.